a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. There is unrest in the Galactic Senate. Several thousand solar systems have declared their intentions to leave the Republic. This separatist movement under the leadership of the mysterious Count Dooku has made it difficult for the limited number of Jedi Knights to maintain peace and order in the galaxy. Senator Amidala, the former Queen of Naboo, is returning to the Galactic Senate to vote on the critical issue of creating an army of the Republic to assist the overwhelmed Jedi. What is up, everybody? Can you believe that we are already at part two of the Bombad Build-Up, part two of the saga, chapter two, Attack of the Clones. Everyone's favorite Star Wars film. It is, <laughs> <laughs> it is one of, honestly, probably the, it, it's a lot deeper than I remember it, and you know what, I'm going to stop blabbing about it, and I'm going to uh, bring in my, my lovely co-host, oh, Mr... Scotty Jaro, how you doing, Scotty? Well, actually, it's Mr. Jaro to the sixth and seventh graders at. Uh, oh yeah. Um, go to bed, kids. Yeah, go, go to bed. bed. It's a little late for y'all. We've got some guests on here that you might, your parents may or may not want you listening to, but that's okay. Um, and uh, with that being said, no, I am so excited to talk to these wonderful people we have on, and um, I'm even more excited to talk about probably the most uh, memorable Star Wars title. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I think everyone remembers Attack of the Clones as a title. Like, I think that's, like, for the popular culture, Attack of the Clones is, like, so common. I don't know. It's weird. But anyway, Jerry, bring in our wonderful guests we have for this special, special episode. Well, for our special Attack of the Clones episode, we have none other than Alice and Laura from the Force Toast podcast. Alice, Laura, how are you girls doing tonight? Not too shabby for, uh, for Tuesday. Going to be a long week. <laughs> that it is. That it is. I'm doing amazing. I uh, I still get weirded out every single time I ever hear that somebody who's like around my age is a teacher. Oh. That just kind of weirds <laughs> yeah. me out because I I still am convinced that most of the teachers I knew growing up were all aliens from outer space. Well, so yeah. <laughs> not too sure about you, Scotty. No, it's it's uh, so weird. The they're tradition like, continues for exactly. Sure. Well, they they always go. They're always like, "Wait, how old are you?" And I'm like, twenty four, and they're like, "No." You're like two like, times you, my you, age. I'm like, Scotty, yeah. are you a narc? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm literally twice your age, and then they're like, oh, that's weird. I'm like, I like that's what I chose to do. Never mind. I'm like, <laughs> it is odd. I get, it. I admit it, but they they think it's very weird. And trust me, when they meet, when they met my girlfriend for the first time, they were even more weirded out. They're like, ah. Oh, Girlfriend, they're so used to their teachers having wives and, and stuff like that. So they, they're they're not used to the judgmental term. children. Yes. Oh, it's okay. They'll 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 get over it. But anyway, I'm just kidding, um, kids. You're you're great. Keep listening. <laughs> um. Well, I am just so excited to be here. Our episode with Pete went so well. I think this episode is going to continue this fantastic momentum. And with the discussion being Attack of the Clones. There's a lot of things that go through my mind whenever I say that movie's title. And to me, it's it's probably the Star Wars movie that I haven't watched the most. But after 
kind of analyzing it the way I did recently on my most recent viewing, I beg to differ. I might actually end up watching this another time this week after I discuss it with these two and Jerry, um, Ewok man cable. <laughs> but, um, what, what about attack of the clones? Like, what about it means to you? What, what does it mean to you as a movie? Like, do you have any sentimental feelings towards it? Um, Alice, I want to go with you first. What, what about you? How does this movie like affect you? <laughs> Well, for me, in high school, I babysat a lot and had to pay my own car insurance. And one of the families I babysat all the time, they had one Star Wars movie, and it was Attack of the Clones. And every time I came over, they knew I liked Star Wars, and they said, Alice, let's watch Star Wars. (laughs) And uh, I watched it. Every time, so probably like once every three weeks, forever, I watched it. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like Stockholm Syndrome. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> what I really love about it is it's beautiful. It I is. think the score is great. Love oh, Pledge yeah. in the Arena is like my favorite thing, um, which also incorporates Cross the Stars, which is amazing. Yes. Uh, but I think the cool thing about it is we really get. It's it's really the catalyst for everything else that happens. Yes. You know, we get to see the Jedi out in full force for the first time. Uh, it spurred the Clone Wars TV show, which is amazing. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, we kind of see the beginning of Anakin's downfall. We see more Sidious and understand him a lot more. We see the Death Star plans, which is a really cool tidbit yes. that a lot of people kind of forget about. Uh, Yoda just kicks ass, which we have not seen before, Thank for you. sure. <laughs> you know, I think it's just, and it's beautiful. All of the scenes in it, we see so many planets. It's got, uh, it, it's good for the ADD, probably, with all the different plot mm-hmm. lines going on. <laughs> but, you know, we see a lot of cool stuff and a lot of cool characters in it. Great point. And, and, and I want to kind of cater to what you said. The structure of this movie is the most unique of all Star Wars movies. It kind of has a bunch of subploit, sub subplots that you really don't expect coming that like dig deeper and then kind of undig themselves at a hole in a good way. And um, one thing I did notice with the score, I was listening to it while I was getting some work done. And there's like a raging guitar solo in the middle of the Coruscant city chase that I completely forgot about. Have you never about. noticed that? No, oh, but it's like, yeah, man. it's like they're like oh. dive bombing on a way bar. Like, it's, it's like, like this cool. is metal as heck. It is. <laughs> it, it's wild. But uh, anyway, like John couldn't John couldn't contain himself. He just like he spontaneously produced that guitar. And yeah, just, like wailing. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. Those are some great um, reasons why to love this movie. Um, Laura, what about you? Is there anything in particular that like just that kind of clings to your heart? Well, so that's the thing uh, <laughs> about our show <laughs> is that uh, Alice and I have differing opinions on things, and one of those things is Attack of the Clones. <laughs> so it it uh, it may not be my favorite Star Wars movie, but at the end of the day, I do think I agree that it enhances the lore and it does a lot of world building in Star Wars. Um, and at the end of the day, I really love being in the Star Wars sandbox, mm-hmm. and this movie just gives it gives us new creatures, new characters, new planets. So. At the end of the day, I'm still here for it. Yes, indeed. Uh, but beyond that, I don't know if it, it's really pulling at my heartstrings in 
any really significant way beyond that. <laughs> and we get two sandboxes of Tatooine and Geonosis. Yeah. So, yes. there we go. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Literally, yes. And we even talk about how much we like sand in the movie. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Great memes. Yes. Who could forget? I, there's there, one the scene. The most memes probably produce for anything, and the most music for audiobooks also, too. I think we, I think it outdoes Yeah. Fandom. It it totally does. There's one thing I want to bring up very briefly before, because I think the discussion we're going to have is a little bit, you know, silly and serious. But like, there's one thing I have to bring up that made me laugh so hard. I was watching the movie last night and, you know, they had the uh, course it gets everywhere, sand conversation. And then when he gets a tattoo and he buries his mom. I can't say it without laughing. He's like leaning in front of his grave, leaning in front of his grave, and he like grabs a handful of sand and like lets it like <laughs> run between his fingers. And I'm like, is this like a fetish thing? I don't know. It's like he was like, he was, wow. <laughs> I don't know. You, you heartless prick. He just lost his mom. Okay, but the Come way he, the way he, he doesn't did. know how to feel. <laughs> but yeah, like, there's some weird shit out there. Yeah, I have a friend who loves watching Instagram stories of people like mushing laundry detergent oh, together in water. I think I've heard it's of very this. Very strange. Not wow. just that, but just like the the liking to watch people like squish things between their fingers. Ah. Well shame. Um, no shame. Maybe but... it's your your mother's sand graveyard that people yeah. like <laughs> yes. I mean it's just a thing I noticed. I thought it was so right, strange. Right. I thought it was the weirdest thing. It's like he looks down and he like grabs a handful of sand. I'm like, it's just this is making you hate this way more. Like you went from like I don't like sand to I hate sand like very yeah. quickly. You know, I just imagine like the direction that he was getting at the time. It's like reach right. down and grab, grab that sand, sand. <laughs> stroke the sand, <laughs> squeeze it, squeeze, squeeze it harder it between your fingers. It's like George, <laughs> George over there, like with wild, crazy hair as usual. It's like yeah, yeah, more, more sand, more. Adam, <laughs> like a fan. No, okay. I, look, this is all I'll say about Hayden Christensen's acting, acting because we're trying to, you know. I honestly think he does fairly good for what it is. I mean, it's, again, it's a Star Wars movie. It's a pulpy space adventure. Yeah. It, George Lucas is not an actor's director, but, uh, and terrible at dialogue. <clears throat> anyway, well, yeah, I, I'm falling down the negativity hole. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, we uh, we see, like, I just love that delivery of the line, though, where he goes, I miss you, Mom, so much. <laughs> <laughs> It's on par with Revenge of the Sith whenever uh, Ewan McGregor goes, I saw a security hologram of him killing younglings hand over face, you know, like the, <laughs> like just, oh, those line deliveries just kill me every time. Uh, so. You can just hear the faster, more intense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> more hand. Get that hand in that mustache. Come on, Ewan. No, um, Jerry, what is this movie for you? What, what, what about this movie kind of a... Uh, brings it home for you, you know? Why is it... I'm, uh, your cup of let, tea. Let me finish. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna uh, let you finish. No, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, let's be professional here, <clears throat> which is new for us. Uh, so, um, I will admit that whenever this Mer- Mervy... <laughs> oh, this is going well. So whenever this movie came out in... Uh, on DVD. It was the first one on DVD, by the way. Fun fact, I'm old. Uh, and uh, I remember getting it, and I would watch it, like, every single night. Wow. Like, my parents would be going to bed and stuff, and I would, like, go into the living room and just pop on Attack of the Clones and just, like, chill out. 
I, I loved it. I loved it. And, you know, as the years went by and I kind of got, you know, uh, worked at a movie theater and found out my friends didn't really like that kind of stuff, you know, I was like, okay, I guess I got to kind of keep that kind of quiet. And eventually I was like, you know, it's not the best one. And I think we can all get kind of lost in the, gosh, this is kind of like, it's one of the hardest ones to watch, but it's still, like Laura, like you were saying earlier, it still has that Star Wars world building. It's still that Star Wars sandbox. And there's honestly watching through this time and taking diligent notes, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. got very like uh, off the wall and bonkers, but I ended up like uh, kind of focusing towards the end. Uh, There's a lot to get out of this movie actually in, in certain places there's, there's a little more meat to it than I remember being there. And so I guess, um, I remember being so super psyched. I was older, you know, I was like a preteen when this one came out and, uh, I don't know. The prequels really kind of helped me through my adolescence, I guess. So there you go. Um, that's not super serious, but yeah. Okay. No, that's a, that's a beautiful point. Um, yeah. For me, you're a beautiful man. So thank you. Oh, that's so kind. No, um, yeah. for it's weird. Um, I can kind of relate to it. It's like, uh, it's almost the movie that I think, f- at least for me, that I've forgotten had released. If that makes any sense, I remember the Phantom Menace vividly. I was like five. I remember that. But for this movie, I almost don't remember it. Like even I remember seeing it in theaters, but I don't remember like the trailers, the merchandise, not like anything for it, like a single thing. But like. When I got it on DVD, I was the same way. It, just, it was one that I wanted to put on. But Revenge of the Sith for me was the one that I like really put on like every day after school. Mm. But like especially for Attack of the Clones, I think the one thing that stood out to most people whenever you're like seven or eight years old was the Yoda you know, fight scene at the very end. And I think that's – I remember seeing that in theaters vividly and all the Geonosis stuff. But the whole love aspect I kind of didn't get probably up until about – seven or eight years ago, you know? And it's it's really an interesting movie because a lot of people regard it as their least favorite or the worst Star Wars movie. But at the same time, it's, like you, like you said, Jerry, there's a lot to really tear into it. There is a lot in this movie that people don't give it enough credit for. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I think it has a very special place in my heart. But, um... I guess we can we can either go into it right now or if you want to talk about one more thing I I've I've got some things listed. Uh, let's get let's get into it man. Sorry I muted my mic there. No, it's okay. Uh yeah, no. Um it's also got great meme potential. Yes. So uh <laughs> there is that. So No, man, I think we've really kind of covered it. Let's get into the meat of this thing. Okay. So my thing is right now we were we started off the Phantom Menace with where are we in this galaxy like what is the state of the galaxy currently and for this movie um, it is divided it is very much divided there's a separatist movement and there's the Galactic Republic that we're already familiar with the separatist movement is trying to get away from all the ruling and all these regulations that the Republic has given upon them and other small worlds in the outer rim area because they don't get the treatment that these inner worlds get. And um, it starts off very different for a Star Wars movie, a pan down, um, which I think is up. the... No, I'm sorry, a pan it's up. It's a pan right. up. Pan yeah. up, pan up. And is there another one that does that? I don't think. Nope. Nope. Nope, the only one. Only this it's one. a common trivia question that we have gotten many a time. <laughs> I bet. This is why we have. This is why we have you guys on, okay? Because exactly. you've been through all of this. And you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> but one thing I want to get into, this is a little bit more diving into the real world aspect of it. It starts with this very big planned assassination of Padme. And it feels now, I don't know if it's because I, I studied history when I was in college, but it feels like a very real world like thing that would happen like in the 1920s, you know, to some like delegate from uh, Czechoslovakia. You know what I mean? Like or or um, who's the guy that was killed? Um uh, Franz Ferdinand, he was like shot when he first arrived into a city. You know, it's kind of a really bizarre way to open a movie, but it kind of just kind of gets the point like, okay, people are trying to kill Padme. Um, obviously, this group of people are very upset that she is in charge and she's doing something that they must disagree with. So it's like they land on that planet and it's a, actually a very beautiful opening scene and jumps right into it and then, uh, we lose um, Corday, if I'm not mistaken. Corday, yeah. yeah, yes, and and that's a very kind of emotional scene. And the one thing I want to bring up, which I thought was very interesting, and it's not really brought up often, but R two D two was on the Naboo starfighter with Padme, which is very kind of interesting because you know it kind of can reflect Luke later, you know, in the X wing with Pad with well, Luke in the X wing with R two. It's just. You never would have thought Padme would be driving a Starfighter, nonetheless, with R2-D2. So I think that's kind of an... Well, I mean, she owns R2. That's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. But, like, a Starfighter. I don't know. I guess it didn't dawn on me until I watched it. I'm like, cool. She's, like, not, like, in the big ship, you know? And I'm kind of... She's Leia's mom through and through, man. Like, you know... Yeah. Uh, like we were talking about last night, you know, like, they are going to get things done the way they, they want to get them done. They, you know, Exactly. It's like, Oh, don't tell me what to do. Um, we're going to get it done. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and Queen Shadow kind of elaborates on a lot more of that, too, of, of her, like, R2 is her droid and stuff. Uh, starting off uh, that, well, that whole 10-year period, uh, he kind of really sticks along with her. So Yeah, and the uh, the wonderful thing that was introduced in this movie was Milady. And they do it the whole movie. And I don't think they do it at all in The Phantom Menace, do they? Where they call her Milady, Milady. Oh gosh, I'm having. I, I, I don't I think they do. Can't remember now because it would be your highness. Yes, so yeah. I, I, I don't think so. Yes, yeah. Milady. Milady is the senatorial <laughs> title. <laughs> it, it was just every other person was Milady, and I was like, "This sounds like a I'm on some sort of weird forum." But 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 anyway, <laughs> uh, it was uh it was kind of a kind of an interesting opening scene, and like. It goes straight into, you know, them in, in Palpatine's quarters and, and Yoda being so empathetic towards Padme, which I thought was very interesting because he kind of comes and he's like, oh, you know, uh, Senator Amidala, I'm, you know, so sorry. It's terrible what happened to you. And um, it's not a relationship I thought I would see or a conversation I thought I would see in a movie. Now, it happens a lot in Clone Wars, but the movie, kind of interesting, you know? Well, it is because one of the, it's one of those things where there are so many senators because there are right. so many exactly. systems and it's like it's it's sort of strange that he has somehow honed in on her and that he actually knows her you know by name exactly and and that's something that uh really isn't brought back up at all through the movie and the whole scene with the Jedi being by Palpatine is just like. How do you not know? I love that part. Like, I, I didn't think about how much it would drive me crazy when watching it. But, like, I'm pretty sure there's a quote I put in here where they literally are like, yeah, you know, the dark side's really clouded us. We don't. <laughs> and he's, like, telling 
literally the man who's doing it. Yeah, no, it says this. It says, it's like an episode of Arrested Development right there. Yeah, it's like... It's like um, yeah, I hope the Dark Lord isn't here. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, he literally says the dark, cloud, the dark side is clouding everything, you know, while literally talking to the dude who's doing it. So it's like, <laughs> it's kind of weird that, like, you already kind of start off this movie with, like, well, at least now we know that it's this dude, you know, causing all these issues. But, like, he just Palpatine is already in control. You know, he's already kind of planting these seeds. And I, I made, like, a, a note of, like, just kind of thinking with how, like, new canon deals with the Jedi and stuff, what a Jedi should be. Like, how weird is it now going back to, like, Attack of the Clones and stuff like this and seeing, like, these guys who are supposed to be, like, a religious, like, order or whatever. Mm-hmm. uh well, they're also a police force, and they're having like political meetings, and it's just kind of like I don't know. Art art imitates life, and it's just kind of crazy. So. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, it's a really good point, and I just love that. That you know, of course, Palpatine makes the subtle suggestion. You know, well, maybe Padme should be under the watch of a Jedi, like Obi Wan. You know, and it's like, no, you don't mean that. We know what you that mean. That makes an awful lot of suggestions. Yeah. This whole thing, this, this whole movie he does, it's like every little thing's a suggestion, especially this part, you know? And Yeah. I, I think Palps had a notion or could feel that Anakin's thoughts were really wrapped around Padme. So oh, yeah. it was like part of his way to force them together oh, yeah. as part of his plan. Because oh. I think that he had everything with her planned out. And I'm in the camp that I think in Revenge of the Sith, he planted those dreams in Anakin's head. There's no proof of it, but um, I think even sending him with Padme sneakily suggesting Obi-Wan was part of the bigger picture for sure. Well, that's what you just said is perfect because that's what we talked about with Pete about how we think, I think I'm convinced Palpatine is the father of Anakin in its own weird right. You know, like planting these 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 kind of weird, like, forced things throughout Anakin's entire life would be just such a brutal thing. And it's obviously very true that, you know, he, he's been manipulating Anakin from this very, this very movie because the whole entire time he's like, I think you're the best, whatever. And it's so, like, it's creepy. It's really creepy, especially what Jerry said with the last episode. He was like, <laughs> you know, we'll watch your crew with a great interest. It's like, ooh. like Stay uh, away from baby Anakin. You yeah, yeah. He's a little kid. Like, don't talk. That's weird. You know, it's very weird. But, um, yeah, it's – it's Palpatine's a one creepy dude. But one thing I do kind of like in this movie, because the Phantom Menace, he's like front and center. He's Sidious, Palpatine, Sidious, Palpatine, the whole movie. I like that Sidious actually takes the back burner on this one. You know, and we don't see Sidious like at all until like the very end of the movie. And Palpatine kind of takes a back burner too. I never really thought too. about that. I yeah. just watched. I just finished watching this like a couple hours ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, I didn't even think about that. Like he. Well, he had bigger fish to fry. Yeah, He's working man. on that clone army and chit chatting with Dooku. So, you know, it doesn't really matter what happens to Padme because either way, he's going to get his way with having the Clone War start. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, you know, it, it going into the, one of the next bigger scenes of the movie is whenever Obi-Wan and Anakin are in the, you know, going up the elevator. And I thought that would look bad now. It actually doesn't look too bad. I was actually pretty impressed with the visuals of it. I'm like, this looks pretty good. And, uh, you know, obviously Anakin's extremely nervous. 
And you can just tell, like, by body language and by how he's talking to Obi-Wan. It's just awkward. And, you know, <laughs> you see you see pretty much he's, like, he gets out and Padme doesn't even recognize him. And it's kind of brutal. He's like, oh, Obi-Wan. And then, you know, Jar Jar's like, oh, my Tommy. And then no one acknowledges Anakin, which is kind of interesting. And it, it When she does, it's, like, one of those Annie? weird... He's like, she weirdly goes, it's like, uh, oh, you'll always be that little boy I knew on task. I mean, you know, (laughs) friending him, you know, right away. Oh, instantly. And, you know, I don't think she meant anything by it, but I bet in his heart it was like. (laughs) Oh, it was brutal for him. He just looked the look on his face, like the looks on Hayden Christensen's face are like they're they're brutal and hysterical. They're really good movie. They're really. Yeah. Yeah. They're really good. But it's just like he gets handed so much like uh, like just I, I don't want to say disrespect because it is is like he's being like the dude doesn't know how to act around real people because no. he's out with a bunch of stoic uh, monks all day, you know. Well, uh, and I love Yoda, but, you know, I don't know. He's the most social of all of them. Yeah, there's a scene where they're packing to go and Anakin is just sitting and watching her pack. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, what a creeper. Like, what if she's packing her underwear <laughs> yeah. and he's just standing there watching like, <laughs> you know, moping around and st- staring. It's bizarre. Well, and then talking about how big he's getting, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, wait, I'm ready to put the icing on the cake grown. there, Annie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird. Like, that's one thing I have written in, in the notes. It says like, he he this is, this is the only type of relationship he does know. I mean the only other relationship he had with a woman was his mother and that was torn apart, you know, and he's actually very conflicted this entire movie with his mom and the horrible dreams he has and he even says it to, you know, he literally says it to Obi-Wan, I don't sleep well anymore. And then Obi-Wan knows, which is kind of interesting. Obi-Wan's like, "Yeah, it's because of your mom," you know? And to me, and and I taught touch base on this recently, but I think this whole dream Premonition thing, this whole dream sequences he's having, like you said, could be, you know, caused by Palpatine. But the only other character that's ever brought up like an issue or a thing happening in their dreams was also Rey, you know, when when Kylo tapped into her mind. Mm. And I think it's kind of an odd parallel to see that, you know, like, I, I don't know if that means anything. I don't know if George didn't think of it in 1977 when A New Hope came out. But like, <laughs> J.J. definitely kind of got, you know kind of took that in, in, in its own weird way because I, I don't know if that's – I don't know if that's because of his his mistakes he's causing these things to happen or if it's an actual insight into the future because that's well, that's one thing that can – you can Right. Go, yeah. Well, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> one of us is going to win this eventually. Uh, no, um, if you like look at his character and Ray, like – Luke had a pretty, I mean, even though he was, you know, an orphan, quote unquote, he was raised by a, a loving aunt and uncle, uh, whether, you know, however you feel about Uncle Owen, uh, if he was too harsh on him or whatever, but uh, he grew up a relatively normal life, whereas Anakin just had his mom and was a slave and then was whisked away at a very young age Yes, in a monastic order and, you know, learned how to you know, use a laser sword and all that. And Ray just has been an orphan from a very young age, living a really hard life, like probably the hardest life we've seen any character live on screen. Mm-hmm. So you look at those two having the most issues and having dreams of Ray dreaming of her 
parents who left her, her family who left her, and they might come back, and also of some island or whatever that's somehow connected to her, you know. Yeah. We know how that turns out. But uh, I don't know, maybe that's the connection and stuff, just kind of like these characters who are Force-sensitive who have gone through, like, some serious crap. Yeah. They, like, I don't know, really getting it laid on pretty thick (laughs) from the Force. Mm -hmm. Or either way. And it could be Pal. Maybe it, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm about to go crazy with speculation. <laughs> In uh, episode seven. Well, you know, one thing that can be said about about this whole relationship too between Anakin and Obi Wan, it's actually acknowledged, but it's such a subtle line. After this whole chase scene happens and they're in the bar, and right when they walk in, Anakin literally says, "You're the closest thing I have to a father, Obi Wan," and it's like. Whoa, you know, it's never really touched base on again. Maybe in Revenge of the Sith, it's it's maybe brought it up, you know, brought up somehow through, um, I guess, narrative. But like this part right here is very interesting. Whenever they kind of go from the whole space chase sequence with Jerry, I know you wanted to talk about that. Bring bring up what you wanted to talk about in in, in particular the, the uh, not space. I'm sorry, the uh, Coruscant uh, chase, which I like. It's a long sequence, but I oh. like it. Well, I all I was uh, all I put in my notes I think was that um, let me see uh, the speeder chase is great and I'll die on that hill. Yeah, so that, that's what I wrote down. Um, I don't know. I heard a lot of people kind of like talk about. I, I listened to a few podcasts getting ready to to do this episode, trying to cram for you know for the final. And uh, a lot of people were like, I really feel like people kind of lose their focus around that part. And I'm like, why? It's so cool. You know, like I said, you know, it's metal as heck. That you know, George. Not George. Uh, 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 John John Williams just pulls out like that electric guitar and starts shredding, right? Yeah. Uh, but I don't. I, I kind of want to bring up a little thing about Anakin that I, I was listening to. I'm going to give him a shout out. Uh, a Star Wars story podcast. They're a fairly new podcast too. I don't know if anyone's heard of them, but uh, they were talking about how Anakin is a total ADHD kid. <laughs> I say I am too. And the the girl who was on there had just been diagnosed with it, and she said. Uh, you look at him like he interrupts like Obi-Wan, like right there at the beginning and stuff, you know, like there, she, he's like talking to Padme saying like, all right, we're going to like protect you and stuff. And he's like, we will find out who's, who's trying to kill you and stuff. <laughs> he takes forever to pick the speeder. You know, he, he runs down an entire line of them until he's like, okay, I want that one. And, um, uh, uh what, what else is there? He's like, uh, really, really good, like hyper-focused at being a Jedi, but he sucks at everything else and he keeps losing his <laughs> So... Uh, there you go. I I am a big proponent of Anakin Skywalker being an ADHD kid theory. Uh, I'm coming out right here. So there we go. Boom. There you go. Uh, thoughts. Thoughts. Laura, Alice, what do you think? Uh, first of all, I think Alice, Alice texted me and said her PC crashed again. So she's she's on her way back. But yeah, oh, she's, no, uh, okay. she's working on it. I know. It's just not a good night for her, but that's okay. That's fine. Um, yeah. But uh, so I'll, but I'll jump in. The uh, I will say, I have to probably agree that Anakin had ADHD. <laughs> um, what do they call totally... him in the Star Wars universe? Like uh, he has the attention seekers. <laughs> sure, something like that. Attention My coins. issue is that you would you would think with all the advanced technology that they have that they would be able to diagnose and treat that yeah. in some way. But not if you're you a Jedi. That, and apparently they didn't have any kind of scans or anything for, uh, you know, 
women like Padme and Revenge of the Sith who were expecting that could even detect that she was carrying twins or anything right. else. So, it's like you know, go in figure. the future, then, but somehow in the past. Too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the medical advancement is all questionable, to say the least. Like, so, you, yeah, you guys can, you can just put someone in, like, a jar of, of goo and, like, heal them of, like, a, a broken arm in, like, two hours, <laughs> but you can't, like... You can't find some Ritalin for this poor kid. I mean, come, yeah. you know, like, no. Um, but anyway. Sorry, guys. I'm back. Welcome back. Welcome, yeah, back. welcome back. Thank you. We're talking about. Happy to uh, be here. Jerry was just touching base on how how um, <laughs> how Anakin's a child of ADHD and uh, how he can't, he couldn't, he keeps losing stuff and he doesn't really focus on the conversations too well. Just kind of just blurts out. He's kind of disrespectful, but he doesn't mean to be. And it definitely shows up later too in the movie, not just this opening sequence, but like when he, when he cuts off the, uh, the, um, Padme, whenever they're talking to all the other delegates of Naboo, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, oh, and she like lets him have it, you know? And yeah. So, no, but they, they also, and again, shout out to a star Wars story podcast, the girls on there who, um, I was listening, I was listening to this week and they, they brought this to my attention that I have never noticed. Someone who has ADHD has never noticed it, which I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. So, um, uh, but no, they were even talking about how, like, you know, Padme is like a calming presence for him, and that's a thing with ADHD people is like you you have certain people who you're able to like focus better around mm-hmm. or like calm your thoughts and all that. And so, uh, and again, not to get too like uh, you know heavy on it. But, like, I don't know, I was just, like, I really liked that theory. And, uh, again, we got to think of a Star Wars name for ADHD now, I guess. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> it leads into a good point. You brought, about, you brought up how he, like, loses his lightsaber. And it's funny, like, there's an odd placement on the significance of his Twice lightsaber. Twice in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and the significance of it on in this movie is very interesting, how it's kind of brought up, like, you know, this thing is your life. Don't lose this. But, like. It ends up getting cut in half, and I guess the lightsaber that Ray ends up finding is another one he makes at some point, which I think is kind of odd, you know? Like, uh, you would think George would have made it be, like, the same lightsaber and it's not damaged or anything, but it ends up being just, like, destroyed by the end of this movie. Talk about poetry at rhymes, you know, of this one being the second oh. film. Oh, Jedi, the lightsaber gets broken in half as well, Ooh. so boom, there you Subtle. go. Subtle. poetry well, at rhymes. I mean, he makes a totally different lightsaber because it's, it is what different. I find is interesting is they kind of, or from what we've seen at least, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's original lightsaber was somewhat similar to Qui-Gon's mm-hmm. and Anakin's first lightsaber was somewhat similar to Obi-Wan. Oh. And then he changed the styling completely for Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. and that style is what he maintained has Vader. Um, yes. It, it, very similar. Yes. See, I, I, a splash of black, you know, to really like drive home <laughs> point. I'm bad now. Yeah. <laughs> so don't, don't mess with me. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. I, I guess I never really analyzed it that deep into the one from attack of clones versus the one in revenge of the Sith. And I have one like literally on my shelf right here. I'm looking at it. Not, not the attack of the clones one, but the, uh, I guess the hero one that everyone calls now. And it is it is very similar to Vader's. Like I never really gave it that much thought. Wow. Very similar. But um And back in nineteen seventy seven is probably like, this is what a lightsaber looks like for a good 
bad guys. <laughs> it's the same thing, oh. just just darker. <laughs> I love how I love how it's like now we're like really getting to the deep themes of the lightsaber design. <laughs> like back then, it was probably just George going, "I like one and um, <laughs> that one black, and that's that's the uh, Dark Vader's." You do such a good George. <laughs> I think it's so good. Uh, thank you. It's it's again really close to Kermit, so I, I gotta be careful. You know, slip. <laughs> uh, anyway, here we go. Yay! Let's go. <laughs> um well the to me the whole bar sequence that happens, it's such a funny visual parallel to uh the most Isley bar scene, and like literally the same thing happens. Like Obi Wan turns around, slices off someone's arm. It's just like it's it, it's, it's just so funny. It's so like uh, unapologetic. I love it. It just happens. It is like a complete mirror image, but also it's so funny because in this movie we get basically uh, two Star Wars versions of real life things. Like that's a sports bar. Yes. <laughs> then we get Dex's diner, which I know we'll talk probably talk about later. But like, you know, like this is it's totally a sports bar. There's like a, some like droids, like the the same I think it's like the same kind of droid that's like pulling the Rick the rickshaw <laughs> they're in at Tatooine later. <laughs> playing football a bunch of them playing football or yeah. something. Whatever the Star Wars version of football is, and I know I'm the cannon junkie, but I don't know what that is. So There's totally a name too. Football? Probably. <laughs> I wanna say it's something spacey like that. When they're in there, he says the line, why do I get – Obi-Wan says, why do I get the feeling you're going – you will be the death of me? And I'm like, did George just like <laughs> – like what was he doing with that? Like I love what he oh. – I, I love that it's so abrupt and I mean, yeah, he actually will be the death of you. But it's 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 funny that he even places that in that <laughs> scene in particular. I don't know. I, I like it's it. Almost it feels – yeah. I remember, I feel like every time I hear that line, I just think of somebody in the theater in 2002, just like some lone person sitting there that's just like, oh, come oh. on, like as soon as he says it. That's so funny. Oh, uh, I was there in 2002, and I can confirm all you nerds ate it up, so stop complaining. So. Got it. No, no. Um, what I, I just like can picture like George, like, it's almost as if George steps in front of the camera and just goes, Obi-Wan is going to be killed by Darth Vader. <laughs> and I'll try, it just feels like it is very, it's very ham-fisted. Yeah. But that's the kind of, that's par for the course in these. Yeah. And, and I really kind of dig we, it. We love George's ham fist. Mm -hmm. I maybe shouldn't have worded it quite like that. But. <laughs> <laughs> no offense taken. Yeah. <laughs> ham fist. No, um, it's... It's a cool sequence, and you know, I honestly, it, it dawned on me when I was watching it. It's kind of what I expect we might see in the Mandalorian, like shot for shot. How it's them kind of walking through a bar, and it's like a shot of like her waist, and then the hand on the gun, and like it's kind of noir-ish. I don't know, like it, it, it kind of got it feels me. Feels very Blade Runnery too. Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, the neon aspect of it. Yeah, it really good mm -hmm. point. Yeah, and and Zam's an interesting character. I wish. I wish she had gotten more backstory because in the Bounty Hunter game, she's actually super <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Well, what's funny about about uh, the character Sam Wessel, the Bounty Hunter there, um, I was, gosh, I was listening to, I listened to like several podcasts on Attack of the Clones to try to prepare for this like all in one day because we're, guys, our, our recording schedule for the, the first couple of episodes of this are, are, is a little nuts for me and Scotty. We're, we're like kind of recording back to back almost. But uh, we've got... Uh, they were talking about how uh, just for no reason, like they love Attack of the Clones because it's like the most George Lucas craziness 
of any of the Star Wars movies. It's like he was just kind of like, like I don't really know what's going to happen in the middle one, so I'm just going to make some crazy stuff up. And <laughs> one day he was just like, hey, we got to have this bounty hunter. Let's make her a changeling. Does that have anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, yeah. just make her a changeling. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't affect anything now or later. It's just how it is. Yeah, and it's like, and now we have changelings. Which we, it made for some good episodes of the Clone Wars. And so I think like a, a changeling character in the comics wasn't there, and one of the Vaders or something. Anyway, <clears throat> and then yeah, changelings. Well, when when we have Sam's death, it it kind of does interesting enough. One of my sub favorite subplots of any Star Wars movie is this whole. Obi-Wan, you know, uh, noir investigation, I guess, entire subplot is so interesting. It's such a weird turn for a Star Wars movie. And, like, not even in a bad way. I think it's such a cool thing. I wish we could get a whole series like this. Just a murder mystery, but it's, you know, a Jedi doing all the work. It was it was kind of a cool thing. And, and yeah, that's whenever we uh, go find about the cloners on Camino, And, uh... Oh gosh! And well, first of all, what, what is everyone's feelings on? Are we are we are we going to talk about Dexter Jetster right now? Like, what are <laughs> how does everyone feel about Dexter Jetster? So I got to say, I want to like go to I want to go have like a Jawa juice with that guy. I yeah. just, I just he seems so interesting. And I I love it. And he reminds me of my uncle Sam, honestly. So. <laughs> uh, but with two arms, so. Got it. <laughs> I want to just be a regular in his bar. I just yes. want to be one of the people that lives above it and comes down and hangs out every night. And it's like, hey, Dex, like I I, that's that's just the life that I want to live. <laughs> yeah, I want to try out his specialty dish, which is sliders. sliders. No way. Strangely enough. Is it for real? It's yeah. a very weird piece of trivia, but <laughs> allegedly that's the case. <laughs> Father your sliders. Oh. <laughs> oh no! Wait, wait, wait! Oh. No, that's not. No, no. Okay, sorry. I need to watch the Last Jedi again because that's not. That's not the point of that movie. It's like eating horse meat. <laughs> that is true. Oh my gosh! I'm so sorry. It's bantha sliders. There you go. Because the no one cares about the banthas. They're just they're they're the meat. They're the meat uh, animal. They're just show. elephants. <laughs> they cook them in the holiday special. Yeah. So yeah. you know, giant bantha steaks. It's like a brontosaurus rib from the Flintstones. <laughs> Oh man, that's excellent. No, um, it's one thing I, before we get into Dexter, it's funny because the, the one of the next sequences is you know, he's in the um, the uh, Jedi archives looking stuff up, and I forget her name, I'm sure y'all know her name. Um, Jacosta Nu, like, oh, yeah, and part of my French just goes and like shits all over Obi Wan. He's like, if it's not in the database, it doesn't exist, and he's like, but <laughs> no. It's like, it's not there. It's just like, it, it's brutal. And he kind of sits there. He's like, oh God, well, I don't, I don't believe her, but I'm not going to say she's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Jocasta New is an HBIC. If you read those Vader comics, her story arc is awesome. Yes. I like how she wears yes. the chopsticks in yes. her hair because I remember going buying those at Claire's when I was in middle school and it was the coolest thing ever. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> No, she's. I think cool. she's wonderful, and and that's that is a very interesting, uh, I guess, sequence of events in the in those Vader comics. But like the the way she just kind of like dumps on Obi Obi Wan is amazing. It's like she has no uh, regard for any of the research and the you know the the questions he has. He's like, it's not there. Nope, 
Go well, away. She's a hundred percent the the like stereotypical librarian. Yes. Yeah. Like you know, no, if it's not in here, then we don't have it. So, yeah. It, just, so. <laughs> it doesn't make uh, sense. No, no, for real. Jocasta New is probably one of the. I would like to know more about her, and she was she kicked serious butt in that mm-hmm. Vader comic for sure, Alice. Like I, I loved that. That was such a cool arc with her, and really added so much more. And I mean, I love the stuff with her in the Clone Wars. So, so we got Obi Wan going on this this weird route of you know doing all this investigative research, and all the while we've got Anakin and uh, Padme's bond growing more, and he he goes into that big old rant about Obi Wan. He's holding me back, you know. Um, I have it written down exactly what he says right here. Uh, and that's when he watches her pack. Yeah, ex- ex- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she's actually kind of very kind in the scene. I was thinking back about it. He was, she was very, you know, helpful and talkative and he, he goes on his weird little Luke Skywalker thing. You know, I don't know if y'all noticed that, but like he becomes super whiny, but not in like a, I'm just complaining way. It's like in a dude just like. Chill out. Like, it's going to be okay. In a, in a Skywalker man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, it's just, it's kind of, for me, it made me uncomfortable. But it's 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 interesting because it's the first we kind of hear a Jedi complain about their master, you know? Like, Obi-Wan never complained about Qui-Gon. Don't get me wrong. Obi-Wan is a great mentor. He is wise. He is wise as Master Yoda, powerful as Master Windu, and I'm thankful for his apprentice. I'm thankful to be his apprentice, but I am ahead of him. I think it's a a cool line because mm. I mean, he acknowledges a lot of points and and Obi-Wan is the to me the goat of all Jedi, but besides Qui-Gon, him and Qui-Gon are tied. <laughs> but like he is he ahead of him, you think? Let's be real. I think he thinks he is. Yeah. I don't yeah. think he actually is. Uh, but he's got such arrogance in him that I, I think that he totally believes it. Um, I do think that one of the interesting things that we've sort of learned with some of the follow-up canon that we've gotten uh, out of Star Wars since this movie came out, I'm thinking of like Master and Apprentice and Dooku Jedi Lost, where we get to see a little bit of interaction between the young, the students with each other. And I feel like there was a whole thing where Anakin became, you know, Qui-Gon's Padawan for a very brief time where he said, you know, I take him as my Padawan learner. And Anakin never even got to spend any time in the temple among his peers. Like he didn't get to have any, learn what it was like to be able to vent to somebody about his frustrations or vent to a peer like that. Like all he ever got, it sounds like was Obi-Wan and you can't very well just sit there and talk shit to someone's face. So it's one of those things that, I I think it's like part of it's like a developmental thing where he just missed out on a certain part of of adolescence. It sounds like maybe he did spend time in the temple. Maybe I, I just missed it, you know, among other students. But it kind of sounds like Obi Wan took him on, and it was a it was a pretty solid, a lot of quality time with just the two of them from then on. Yeah, mm. good point, and and that could totally play into his his awkward delivery and this awkward presence overall in this movie. It's it's kind of a, um, not even in not even as an acting thing, and, and a lot of people want to attribute to that. But I think his direction was like you got to be awkward, you know, because you can totally blame it on oh it, George Lucas can't do this, can't do that. But I think it really is Anakin must have not had a lot of development. I mean, obviously he was a slave boy on Tatooine, and then he gets exposed to this great big world. I mean, that must mess you up a little bit, you know, trauma wise. But like. 
everything else and, and socially he's not he's not all the way there. You know, and and you could see that struggle throughout this. Except among the Jedi, he seems to be pretty reverent and regular among the Jedi. But when he's around people that are, you know, either delegates or uh, just Padme herself, he he can he. In, in the beginning, he doesn't really know how to compose himself. But it's kind of cool throughout the movie. You see him progress. He becomes way more open. So I think that's an interesting point too. You know, and uh, I like that. It feels like. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing to say, but it feels like Obi Wan and um, I forget the man with the eye patch's name. Lord, what's his name? Typho. Uh, so yeah, Captain Typho. Captain Typho. I like how they kind of send Padme and Anakin off like they're going on like prom or something. You know, he's like, I think he's kind of <laughs> he's leaning there. He's like, you know, I think I think uh, I'm worried about Anakin. You know, he might do something reckless. And he's like, oh, you're worried about Anakin? I'm more worried about Padme. And, you know, and R two is like following behind him. And I'm like, this is such a weird. You know, point to get brought up, but it obviously they. It definitely feels like a couple of dads dropping their yeah. kids off, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and like, but they right, were have right. Fun, be safe. But the weird thing is, they were right. There was both in both parts. Their equal, uh, equal choice to do what they did. You know, you know what I mean. Fall in love and make reckless decisions. And uh, I guess before that, I kind of jumped the gun there. I'm sorry, y'all. Before that. You know, we get Palpatine talking to Anakin alone before they go on that mission. And Palpatine had to write this whole thing down because it it made me – it really kind of made me think about it. And he gets so slowly manipulated by – Anakin does, gets manipulated by Palpatine. He literally goes like – so they finally give you an assignment. And uh, Anakin's yes, he's like he says something like yes, I just but I, I still need guidance. And, and Palpatine says this: you don't need guidance. In time, you will learn to trust your feelings. Then you will be invincible. I've said it many times: you're the most gifted Jedi I've ever met, even more powerful than Master Yoda. I'm like, whoa! Like you just stroked his ego, and you did it exactly how he wanted to hear it. <laughs> like, come on, are you kidding me? You said it to you said this to a 19 year old kid. Like, come on. It's it's yeah. it's cool, uh, cool it dude. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and but Palpatine knows what he's doing, man. He's playing these cards so well, so well, and then they get sent off on the assignment. And uh this is where our, our narrative kind of splits a little bit and the story kind of changes pace, which I actually really like. There's a lot of jumping back and forth that I didn't expect. It's a lot uh a lot more jarring than most Star Wars movies. But um yeah, no, anyone have anything they want to say about Palpatine in particular being so uh Front with Anakin and being so like, no, you're the best, man. Don't listen to anyone. <laughs> I don't have anything to add to it, no. But he, yeah, he certainly is a stroke on the ego. Big yeah. time. <laughs> He's pressing all of the right buttons, and Palpatine is just such a master at that. But I don't know. Yeah, it's the what can you say that hasn't already been said about Palpatine, except for that. I mean. The, the dude is just, the, the more I watch these movies, the more I, I go like, ooh, this guy is gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't like him. It's not, it's, it's not as uh, clear, you know, like, oh, okay, this is just the bad guy as much as, as it was back when I was younger, so. No, anyway. and, and that's an interesting thing because, I mean, not that we need to dive down into that rabbit hole, but yeah, definitely. He, uh, he is not just the bad guy. He is definitely playing his, his cards very well with each character. And uh, even Jar Jar later in the movie, which I think is particularly interesting. Um, but yeah, no, it, it leads into them going to Naboo and they have to take a, 
You know, it's kind of Titanic-esque. They have to go into, like, the undercarriage of some sort of ship, and they have to eat the food. And, and one of my favorite lines happens here. They have here. to eat the pancakes. Yeah, they have to eat the pancakes. There, yeah, which yeah. is delicious. No, uh, I want some of those. I love, I love that he's like, we don't serve droids, and it's the droid server. I thought that was so weirdly yeah. ironic. I love <laughs> that. It's like, and it looked like that droid was specifically manufactured ginormous, and his only ability is to make pancakes. Looks like he could be like a bruiser, like like battle droid. Like that's what the battle droid should be. But this guy is specific job is to make pancakes. <laughs> you notice that? It's a great point on the undercarriage of a ship, of like a storage ship. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Who knows? Maybe it was repurposed or whatever. But I, don't know. I mean, like, I, I I want one of those guys though. So, yeah, so. definitely. It's a. That's all. That is all. That's my only. <laughs> Well, I want to know. Does I don't remember. Does Jar? Does Jar Jar? Does R two drop the plate on the the table then leave? Because I know he's not in the scene after that. Or does he take this the the plate of pancakes and just? I goes think he. <laughs> I know. I think he he actually brings it to the table. I don't okay. know if he drops anything, but no Jar Jar or Jar Jar. Oh my gosh. Here, <laughs> um, no uh, R two is. Uh, he is a great waiter. Yes. You know we found that out in Return of the Jedi. I mean, you know, like he's. He is all about when he's given like a task, like, you know, hey, go serve some drinks. He's like, all right, I'm going to do it classy. Yeah. Right? I, I'm all business when it comes to this. So, no, no, yeah. So I think he <laughs> dropped it very nicely and stuff. He probably left the check and then <laughs> scooted off into the background. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's such a cool scene. And to think that this is where their kind of conversation actually gets somewhat regular. They talk about compassion and how a Jedi should feel and. I actually had a lot more insight after uh, they discussed it, and they said compassion, which is defined as unconditional love, is central to a Jedi's life. And I, uh, I kind of love that. I, I really, really like that because that's that's true. And and I guess like, you know, shouldn't that be every vocation? You know, it should be some unconditional love, some compassion you would have for someone or your your faith even. I don't know, or like whatever your cause is. So I think, I think that's a cool thing that never really gets brought up ever again. So the Jedi kind of are allowed to love, but not in the physical realm, and more of the spiritual way, you know. Yeah, which kind of sucks. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Yeah, you ask, you ask, like, shouldn't every vocation be like that? And I'm like, well, <laughs> Catholic priests, I think, would disagree with yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, you know, the, there are some McDonald's workers, I'm sure, too, who could definitely d- deserve to, like, make those burgers with a little more compassion. Yeah, like, exactly. Every every no, little no. job. <laughs> no, um, it's, it's odd because Padme kind of, you can see it, her change and, you know, I guess tone and feeling, she kind of understands it now, you know, and understands where he's coming from. And, um, yeah, no, then, then we kind of jump. This is where it gets a little cut back and forthy. We get, uh, the Padman Anakin thing. And then it goes back to Obi-Wan at Dex's or he's like walking into Dex's diner. And I mean, like Jerry was saying earlier, I would love, and, um, Lauren as well. I would just love to be, be there, you know, and, and be a regular at Dex's, but, Dex is a character. It's kind of cool, and I he was a what was he a not a miner. He was a um a prospector. Prospector, prospector on Sub That's it on Sub yeah. And there's one thing I noticed that I have no idea why I didn't think of this. the The phrase that's been memed so many times. Well, what do you know? That is actually said by Watto later. <laughs> I never realized it. 
Oh, yeah. And I, I, I wrote that down. I'm like, what a weird thing. Did George, was it kind of like the, uh, what was that one f- line in, in The Phantom Menace? Um, uh, you assume too much. And then Padme, you assume too much. It's like. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> written throughout the entire like movie. And it's like he had one, like someone told that to him before, like said that in conversation before lunch. And after lunch, he was like, oh, I just really want to put that in here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't stop putting that in here. So, what do you know is got a phrase a day calendar? Who knows? Maybe and and if for Dex to say it and the water to say it, have you ever written out that phrase? What do you know? It's the most ridiculous. What do you know? I wrote it out when I was doing these notes. I'm like, I can't believe George typed that like twice, like not just once, but he's Wado's like. Is- Watto's is my favorite because he's like a Jedi. What do you know? He does like the the like fists and stuff. Like, yeah. hey, tend in the box. Here we go, buddy. Hey, we're friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just owing you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's what Watto's thinking. Like, how do I make this not awkward? That's that's one thing I think is funny, and we'll get into that later. But when he gets a tattoo, and he's like, "Let me go look through my records of like." all the previous slaves you've had? Like, what do you mean? Like, he has to go find where he sold Shmeed to. He's, uh, he's got, like, a filing cabinet of all the people he's ever owned. Just, like, it's just, very problematic. Ooh, so. Make my back crawl. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, it's icky. One line that Dex says that I don't think it's enough credit, he says to, you know, he shows him the dart, and he goes, what do you think this is? And he's like, oh, I know exactly what this is. This is from the Kaminoans, whatever. And, and Dex goes, well, you, I think that you Jedi would have much more respect for the difference between knowledge and wisdom. No, 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 no. You said it wrong. He said knowledge and <laughs> yeah. wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's... Subtle, subtle point, yeah. But no, it's a good point. I mean, you would think that the Jedi would uh, would tend to focus way more or, uh, I guess, really know the difference between them. And this is where it kind of shows the Jedi's hubris and how they're kind of... Way more failed than than you know Obi Wan makes him sound in in A New Hope. All right, so uh, enough about Dexter's diner uh, and you know Dex's mustache and all that. Let's talk about uh, Anakin and Padme and their uh, their torrid love affair in the Lake Country of Naboo, which is like Alice, like you were saying earlier, is a very. I, I think those at least I think those are the the shots you're talking about. There's a couple of Vista shots when they're like out picnicking and mm-hmm. like frolic through that like meadow of butt cows and stuff <laughs> very scenic and picturesque so um i, I don't know was, when you when you're talking about visuals and stuff I don't know, that, that's just what i think of is all that and which is it's great that they've got that backdrop because the the dialogue is is interesting for sure yeah, I mean, it's all beautiful, and I wish someone would make me all of Padme's outfits from Naboo. <laughs> she has, like, it, one cool thing, like, that is one thing I've heard about, um, the 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 whole, like, idea with her costuming. Like, in the first one, they said, we, we want to have, like, she was going to have, like, I think originally, like, two or three outfits, and they're like, no, let's have her change outfits in every single scene. So like, they're like, um, think bigger. We need 60 outfits. Yeah. And like, it's funny because the dresses and stuff that she wears in the Lake Country, they are a little more like flowy and a little less like uh, concealing, like uh, 
I don't know, rigid and all that stuff, the stuff that she wears on Coruscant and, and when she's queen. Um, but I don't know. You know, I'm, I, I also do not wear dresses and stuff, so I don't really know which one I would really like. Yeah, I'd have to give it some thought in terms of what would I want to wear if I was in Lake Como, Italy, uh, <laughs> where they shot all these very beautiful scenes on the terrace and things like that. It's fucking gorgeous, but I don't know. It just sounds hot, so I'm not sure. I really kind of like how... You know, they talk in this scene and he makes she makes it very clear, like, if we're going to do this, it's got to be private and we actually can't do this. This is not going to work because this this idea of of love for them, you know, in the positions, it's not possible. And I he says one line that I love. He says, if um, my heart is beating. Oh, actually. I kind of need to go back real quick. He does say this line. It says, my heart is beating open, hoping that this kiss does not become a scar, which I think is really kind of a cool line. I think line. there was a Hawthorne Heights song like that whenever <laughs> I was in high school or something. <laughs> well, I think it's a cool line because, I mean, literally this, this love, not only does it, you know, give him a scar emotionally, but by God, he... <laughs> He gets caught on fire and scarred up all over the place, loses his arm and legs over this love, you know? And I think it's a, Oof. I think it's kind of a oddly strange line. And I'm, I'm kind of glad George wrote it that way. And then, uh, this one thing I want you to, I want good foreshadowing. Yeah, it is. It really is beautiful foreshadowing. And he says this other line to Padme, if you are suffering as much as I am, please tell me. And I didn't make this connection till, till just now. And, and when I was watching it yesterday, how Yoda used the line, pain leads to hate. I mean, pain leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Does he hate that he feels this way? Well, he does say he wishes that he could wish his feelings away. Does he hate it? Do you, th- yeah. do you think, do you think the fact that he dwells so much on Padme is like maybe some sort of subtle Palpatine manipulation? Is everything Palpatine manipulation? Like, what do y'all think? It's, it's weird. He says he hates it. He does not like that he has to feel this way, but he does. I mean, I think he hates it because the Jedi are so stringent okay. at this point mm-hmm. and their rules are so hard set, but he knows love and an affectionate relationship because he was with his mother nine years. And as soon as he left his mother, Padme in a weird way kind of, became the substitute for that immediately when he left tattooing on the ship and he gave her the Japur snippet. Um, So I think it's more him fighting the rules than fighting his true self Mm. for that Um, because he knows it shouldn't be and it could get him kicked out of the Jedi or it would get him kicked out of the Jedi order. But, you know, he said he's thought about her every day since they left. He made a point when he was on Coruscant at the age of nine to say goodbye to her or was trying to say goodbye to her. Um, So she kind of, this sounds so gross, kind of replaced that mother figure in his life as soon as he left. There's this really funny, uh, (laughs) there's a Reddit uh, sub called Pad Memes and one of the scenes is from Phantom Menace where he's like, are you an angel? I'm about to use my one F-bomb. Ready? <laughs> go. It says, are you an angel? And then underneath Padme, it says, I'm going to 
that kid. <laughs> I guess seen that one. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Oh, uh, somehow yeah. explaining memes just is such a strange concept. It's just something that has to be seen. <laughs> right. You can't, it's like trying to explain it to your grandma. Like, it's a <laughs> meme, grandma. It's a, a meme? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> a may may what anytime you explain a meme it just oh sounds like gosh. you're trying to explain it to an old person <laughs> so what you're essentially saying alice is that uh anakin skywalker is the the buster bluth of the the star wars i don't know if you guys watch i'm making a lot of arrest you development. are i'm impressed i'm here i'm here for it i oh, don't mind dude i freaking love arrested development like it's like <laughs> He, even when he goes and gets a girlfriend, it's someone who has the same name as his mom and, like, <laughs> like can make him soup and stuff. <laughs> That's totally Anakin in a nutshell. So, there you go. Well, Aww. so, I guess af- oh, after that whole transaction of, of awkward moments that evening and they don't kiss, nothing really comes of it, and they kind of walk away. Um, one thing I thought was very interesting was is when he has that horrible dream about his mom and he wakes up and it's a very interesting visual parallel that I didn't think about until watching it. He has his hands behind his back and he's looking out the, I guess, looking at the, the, the lakefront or whatever. And it's almost shot for shot what Vader looks like, his legs and everything, when he's staring off the bow of a, a Star Destroyer. And I'm like, damn. Holy crap. I was like, dude, like I never thought about that. Like, that really is how Vader would stand with his hands behind his back, looking straight forward with his legs kind of uh, kind of like at a, you know, shoulder position, really, like where his shoulders would be. It's very uh, kind of a interesting thing, and he's like just contemplating, looking straight forward. And uh, I never thought about that. That's a good catch. I, I mean, know that they parallel that shot in The Last Jedi with uh, with yes. Kylo Ren looking into the hangar. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I, I never I never gave that much thought that that it's paralleled with Vader as well. That's really it was, cool. Uh, it was one thing. See, now I'm the gif of that one dude like sitting back, like looking like like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, like it's weird because. You guys are, are blowing my mind. Here. Well, well, whenever whenever he you know Padme and confronts him, it's like you know we. We, you know, I need to go see my mom. I'm sorry, I have to leave you. And it's my mom. And uh, I got to go find her or whatever. I got to make sure she's okay. And Padme's like, no, we're going to go do it. You know, it's not it's not just me. I'm going to come with you. And I thought that was actually kind of, instead of it being more of an awkward love discussion, it's more of a symbolism of love there. Like, no, I'm going to be with you for this. You know, it's not, it's not as awkward as the, uh, my heart is bursting. For the kiss that I shouldn't have committed, or whatever he says, but it's more of a. <laughs> I shouldn't have committed. It's, it's way more of a. It's way more of like what love really is, you know. Like in the real world, love is isn't to me. Love is not, you know, a discussion. Love is definitely the the, the small things you do for someone, and the fact that she wants to be a part of this journey with him to go find his mom is that's love right there, and that's where you kind of. Anakin doesn't see it, but I think as an audience, it's been real like, okay, yeah, I really do think that she does love him, you know? Well, also, so at this point, she, uh, you know, we saw in the Clone Wars that she did travel to a mm-hmm. lot of planets. Um, she's been a senator, now that we know from Queen Shadow, she's been a senator for, uh, shit, two, for like six years or something. 
And it could be that she hasn't done much travel at all. And tattooing is somewhere that she has actually been and is familiar with. And on top of that, she has met me. That's true. And, you know, knows her to a degree. So it really could be that, you know, it's not necessarily a strong love for Anakin, even though we know that, you know, she tells him yeah. she loves him or whatever. Um, but it could be like, okay, I see he's in pain. He needs help. You know, I care about him to an extent. It's somewhere I've been before and I'm comfortable being around. So why not? Good point. I, uh, I, I guess to me, if, if, you know, if we're going to directly think about the love aspect, that is true. It's, it's more familiarity for her, and that's the same place where she met him. So I guess if anyone, if she's going to go with anyone to tattooing in mind, it should be Anakin. He knows his way around the planet, you know. And um, this is where it gets interesting, but I kind of, before we get to tattooing, I want to jump back to what Obi-Wan's going through. And Obi-Wan here during these moments is arriving to Kamino, and this is where, like, some of my favorite plot points come in. And he walks in and... And Obi, you know, the, oh, we were beginning to think you were going to show up. You know, the Kaminoan says that, um, y'all are so much better with names. Um, Tanawi, that's it. Uh, I thought that was, I thought that was very kind of, he says, as, as a viewer, you had the same exact reaction as Obi-Wan. You're like, oh, were you? <laughs> and, <laughs> and one thing I didn't realize until watching it, you know, not only is he trying to just talk his way through the situation, the Kaminoans don't give a single crap. Like they're just like, "Oh yeah, we got this for you." Um, you know, hope you like it. You know, it's like we've been working on it for like ten years. Um, come check it out. And this shot of them like observing these clones kind of paints. You know, they're like, "Oh, they're much better than droids," but like. You're treating them kind of like droids, like you're not down there in there, you know, with them. And of course, the Clone Wars really fleshes that out. And I think it's actually kind of a beautiful thing that they they show it in this movie, and it's really dive, you know, much more, uh, I guess, discussed and and seen in the actual TV show. Um, but one thing I never realized, and it took me a little while to kind of make this realization, but. The Clone War, the Clone War, I'm sorry, the clone cloning facility shot for shot and like how it kind of looks and feels is exactly like the droid factory scene, right? It's like it's from above looking down and it's almost weird because it's making this same exact comparison of like these are both armies being built, but regardless if one's like more human it's still for like this giant war machine, you know, it's for the, the cause of war and, and, and humanity really doesn't exist when it comes to war. It's more about who's going to be the, the more triumphant during this clone war. And that's a lot of the repercussions. And a lot of what the clones suffer from is this identity issue, which I wish we could get into in this episode. But if we only did a clone wars recap, maybe we will whenever, whenever the, uh, the new season comes out. Jerry and I might be, might be our big next endeavor, Jerry. I'm <laughs> just telling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, here we go. But don't don't book it yet, folks. We'll see. No, no, no. Um, the one thing I wrote down for for Camino, I'm just now noticing on my notes is Camino semicolon. Please take a spoon. <laughs> Their chairs are like spoons. It's like a ladle comes down from the ceiling, and I've always thought that since I was a kid. Like what, just. Please. 
Obi-Wan doesn't even question. He's like, spoon that you sit in comes from the ceiling and is like, here, have a seat. Okay. Have a ladle. (laughs) Yeah, have a ladle, please. Take a load of, take a ladle off. Uh, (laughs) No soup for you. Yeah, no soup for you. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so that's, there you go. There's my hard hitting, well, uh, take, you know, well, what do y'all think of that? Like the fact that, that the Kaminoans were building this thing and it's just, the timing is so bizarre. And, and I know a lot of it had to do with sifo but how much of that was really more Palpatine than sifo I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I think it was, it, it started with Sidious, but it, I hate to pull and plague us, but I, it pull really it. started with Dooku. Yeah. And in Plagueis, we had Dooku, Sifo-Dyas, and Qui-Gon were all in the room discussing a clone army way before. So it it was Dooku's actions through Palps and – or ultimately – and I really – I wish I recalled the Sifo-Dyas arc in the Clone Wars uh, show. I don't remember it I, either. I was don't. thinking about it Basically, literally today. Yeah. I think he got shot down. Uh, or he was ordered sh- to be shot down by, uh, I believe, Dooku. Um, and then Dooku kind of took his place and was the whole gist of it. Because they, I don't know, they, they went on this big roundabout search for, like, that aid for Chance mm-hmm. of the War with mm-hmm. him that, like, went missing and all that. And it, there was, I don't know, go and watch those, uh, that arc. Uh, that I think that's just a single episode that begins like the Yoda arc. Yeah, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe Sifo-Dyas was actually a typo in the script, and it was supposed to say yeah. Sidious. It was um, supposed to be Sidious. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So it doesn't really hold much bearing, I don't think. But obviously, Dooku knew about it because you know they said uh, Jango was like. You know, Lord Tyrannus is the one who found me and whatever. Um, but it, it, I mean, that's really kind of all there is to it, I guess. Yeah, no, there really is. Like, I think it was all like, it was all him. And for, for oh, here's my big takeaway from that too, is why did they not use the Darth Tyrannus uh, moniker more in those movies? Because I mm-hmm. feel like I heard it once. Yeah, and then like it went away, and I that's a that's such a, a freaking cool like such a cool name, <laughs> Darth Tyrannus. Yeah, I mean he well, had it's also like hidden. It's also yeah, really confusing for like general audiences too. It's like how many names do each of these characters have? Right, like right. Jesus. Well, when I f- it is confusing for me. I mean, the whole Sifo Dyas Dooku like the Sidious plot like. I, it was just like one of the more recent times that I watched this movie that I was like texting Alice on the way to the train, and I was like. I still don't understand what role Sifo exactly. actually played in any of this yeah. or if he played a role at all. It's just because then I, after I read Dooku Jedi Lost, I was like, now I'm even more confused <laughs> about who the f- this character it was. was. Still, It was still lost. We were all still lost after Jedi Lost. Uh, I was hoping that would fill in a lot more of like that kind of thing, but it, it stopped kind of right after he le- leaves the order and all that. Spoilers for du- Dooku Jedi Lost, but um, no. Yeah, I mean, also... When Obi-Wan is talking to Yoda, he was like, I was under the impression sifo died before that or before that right. 10 years. So it could have been, you know, Dooku or someone, I don't know, it could have been Palps, like posing as him. 
who first started the ordering and then was like, hey, Tuku, deal with it. I don't care. Or <laughs> I do care, but I need to kind of chill for a who's, bit. <laughs> whose credit card do they use? That's all I'm asking. I mean, that has to cost a lot of freaking money. Like, is it just like account like that? That's just can Dude, be. He's got like. Well, I mean, he got control of the banks, I guess, in in Clone Wars. But you know, I don't know. You've got yeah. Palps has some pretty deep pockets, man. You know? Well, the banking cheddar. clan was also part of the Separatists. Yeah, that's right. It's interesting. It's that's this is where the Palpatine thing becomes way deeper, and like the fact that he's playing both sides of the war, and he's he and this is a big conversation I want to have at the end of this this whole discussion. It's just you know dealing with Dooku. How much did was you know was he really aware at that point? But um. Yeah, it's it's weird because you can see that Palpatine's influence in the whole story, even though it's not as upfront as um, the whole Darth Sidious thing and the Phantom Menace, it's definitely a hundred percent still there in this movie. And uh, I I really kind of like that aspect. I like that Palpatine's still playing the cards in this, and he really doesn't take a he doesn't really take a break. That dude's always working. He's always got something up his sleeve, and. Uh, I guess that brings you to another another good point with Palpatine. Um, he during the sequence when they show the uh, clone army for the first time, it does not play what people would assume is you know maybe the uh, the Imperial March. It actually plays the march from um, the Phantom Menace when they show the Droid Army about to attack the Gungans. I forget the name of that song. But it plays that song instead. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's just for emphasis or if it's a cool song to use there. But I think it might be intentional just to show, like, this is a, this is a machine way more than it is an actual, you know, you know, bunch of clones, quote unquote, you know. And I, I, I wish I knew the name of the song, but they play that one instead. So I don't know. I'm, I think it's kind of an odd song choice, but I think there's a lot more to it. Than just a song choice. I didn't notice. Good to know. Yeah, it's it's odd. It's definitely not what you would expect because, of course, they do the imperial theme way later in the movie when Palpatine's looking over them. But when it's you know when it's Obi Wan looking over them, it's it's not that. And then we get to this next part where where Jango meets Obi Wan, and it's a really kind of awkward conversation. And it's it's two people wanting to know so much about each other without saying any word at all. Well, it's like two people pretending like they don't know anything about the other person. Exactly. I totally know who you are. Yes. You totally just told your kid to go close the closet so I don't see your friggin' bounty hunter armor. I mean, come on. (laughs) Jedi, what do you think? (laughs) And um, during the sequence, it cuts back and forth a lot between this and then Anakin and Padme, which to me is kind of jarring. I mean... It's like maybe the only thing I really don't like about this movie. It's like when I was writing my notes, I was like, oh, my God, I can't keep up. Like <laughs> You have to have like a table going with like jumping back and forth. I did. I yeah. was just I was going from show note to show note, like trying to like make this make sense. And it was so hard. But um, yeah, no, whenever whenever we have the whole sequence of Obi-Wan and uh, Django having that little fight they do out on the platform, it's really weird to think. And like it's kind of one of those like kind of like. I say the word baked. It's kind of like, whoa, man. Things like, whoa. Uh, is whenever, um, it's weird to think Boba Fett shot something at Obi-Wan at one point. Like, like they had like a, a quarrel. You know, like he shot like the Slave One's lasers at Obi-Wan. If you think about it from an original trilogy perspective, it's kind of a, it's just kind of funny. It's a little, it's a yeah. bit of a mind warp. Yeah. yeah. It's like, 
This dude in the Definitely green... a great movie to get high to. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get stoned and well, watch noticed, Attack of the you Clones. You noticed before, like, before, like we, we did uh, talking about connections to the original trilogy yeah. with like, that scene and all that, too. Um, you noticed that before they kind of retconned it, and not retconned, they, in new canon, like, the stormtroopers are, like, civilians that are, like, you know, like, kind of... Uh, uh, Re- recruited into the, mm-hmm. the military and they've kind of phased out the clones but back then they're like oh this is where the the stormtroopers come from and so they put like when Django is going inside the slave one after the like escaping after the fight he bumps his head on the door and he's oh, going in yeah oh I to, just a about subtle that. nod just a subtle nod at that dude who like totally like beefs it on the door in a new hope <laughs> so <laughs> Nice. And they, yeah, that's like, I, I try to remember exactly who it was that was talking about that, but they, I, I, I don't know if it was like, uh, Rob, uh, Breadrow, uh, Scotty that we listened to, or I don't know, yeah. someone, I heard someone bigger at Lucasfilm go like, yeah, no, 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 that's intentional. So. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I have no idea. Um, I guess before we move on, I want to ask all, do y'all like Django Fett? Is there anything about, do you like him more than Bulba? Is there a Bulba Django uh, thing that any of y'all have right now? Uh, or are I, they both overrated? Oh. Well, you know, Django also gets his hand chopped off. What I think is most impressive about him is his head gets chopped off, but it doesn't fall out of the helmet when Bulba picks it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Must have been wait, a pretty snug helmet. Yeah. Right? Well, you know, those Mandalorian helmets, they really... Like to, you, you got to have them hugging around your head. Otherwise, it doesn't really do anything for you. Um, now, actually, that's the the opposite, isn't it? I don't know. I, I sports ball. I played that. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm gonna ru- but- I, I'm gonna ruin it for you. I think that I think that you, if you watch it again, there's kind of like this shadowy thing. I think the head bounces out when it bounces. <laughs> just watch it get watch uh, that scene again where like he cuts his head off and the head go it, there's the shot of the head bouncing something flies off it's like so fast you can hardly tell but i'm pretty sure it's the head otherwise yeah that was you know maybe he was like biting on something you know and <laughs> the helmet just stayed in there so who knows <laughs> boba fett was like traumatized um no personally i think we're alice and i are both of the same mind that boba fett is highly overrated yeah um i don't personally have any strong feelings about Django either um but I I do think it's kind of funny that Boba has a sort of weird scream whisper in this movie when they're following (laughs) Obi-Wan through the uh yeah through the orbit of Geonosis he's like get him dad why why are you whispering you can I I can't talk too loud or dad will get on to me they're like quiet on set somebody was like quiet exactly he's like like, they said to be quiet my favorite is whenever they first like he he answers the door and he yells back dad Tonwee's here (laughs) it's my favorite little boba dialogue (laughs) yeah it's weird it's he's he's got some weird line deliveries and it was the whole thing with bringing Boba Fett into it felt very forced for me, but that's oh, I, the least of my worries when it comes to this movie. I he had a that, much though. better arc in the Clone Wars, yes, for sure. way more fleshed out. That kid, like, oh man, yeah. They did some really cool stuff with, with his uh, character in there. Well, I'll, yeah. I agree with the both of you, I, I'm, or I guess all three of you. To me, Boba Fett's far more overrated. Jango Fett, you actually see some pretty decent action from him, and he kind of holds his own and he kills a Jedi. So I think it's pretty cool. And um, the Bounty Hunter game really sold me for Django Fett, too. Much, I'm um, very cool character. 
So I um I'm looking forward to an actual Mandalorian donning a Mandalorian uniform coming out in two weeks from today. But uh, that's a different story. Stormtroopers point blank in the face. Yeah, right? exactly. I, can't, I can't wait. There's no. a Sabine Wren right there, actually. <laughs> but um, It's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it, too. That's going to be amazing. I guess when this episode airs, it's only going to be a week away. Oh, my God. Holy cow. Oh, my <laughs> God. My stomach just turned in a good way. Um, so um, whenever they leave... Um, I guess we can go from this point on all the way to Geonosis, but I want to kind of go back to, of course, the incredible um, Shmi death. Well, not incredibly good, but this the the that whole sequence to me is actually some amazing storytelling. But anyway, um, the chase of the uh, asteroid field, love it. I think it's a great scene. Uh, you can't you can't say that scene without mentioning the the. Um, what's the name of them now? Now a seismic charges. Seismic charges. Oh, oh yeah. dude. I watched my, it. one of my favorite sound effects ever. It's just oh, Bitburg so was losing his mind in that damn Foley studio for that. I don't know how he made that noise, but <laughs> it sounds like he just like blew into a, like a, a tuba very hard, you know, or like a bass trombone. I don't know. It's such a wicked cool sound. But um, I guess that to me, that's the only thing you can get away from that scene. And Bulba's, yeah, get him, Dad. It's just like it's kind of South Parkish. <laughs> I always thought it was strange too until I, I, I like ended up headcanoning myself uh, with it. Was Obi Wan's just all of a sudden like I know how to dodge these missiles, jettison the spare part canisters. Like because every ship has spare part canisters, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I'm like I guess he needs spare. I don't know. I got too inside my head with that. I used to be like, what the heck do you have? Just stuff that you can afford to like lose. Buy? If you get blow up, blown up, it's all gone anyway. So, oh well. I don't know. That always used to bug me for some reason. But I um, it's just like a bunch of space junk. It's kind of cool in a weird way. It's kind of Empire Strikes Backy, you know, with the uh, yeah. just like the flying between asteroids and stuff. And they're not really moving. I guess they are. They're not. I wouldn't say they're kind of like the asteroids in Empire, where they like are everywhere. They're just kind of consolidated to one chunk of the planet. So I think it's kind of cool and and. Uh, when they arrive to Geonosis, the way the way the slave one lands is very two thousand one a space odyssey, like into the ground. I thought that was actually, I think that was on, I think that was stylized f- for like a reference to that. But maybe that's just me being a huge fan of that movie. Um, <laughs> I I love everything on Geonosis, but I guess let's jump back. So there, so Tatooine, uh, we got Padman Anakin arriving back and. Uh, they meet Watto and what do you know? And they look through the records and um, they find out that Shmi was purchased by a man named Clegg Lars. And I kind of like how they make him a little southern. He's like, well, uh, not really. It's not really super southern, but like this, the he's rough and gruff. And um, just a really, yeah, really gruff. Like I can't go out again until I heal. <laughs> Wait, I wanted to bring that up. That is such a funny line. And Blast Points mentioned that too. It's like heal. Your leg is freaking gone. Yeah, your your leg's gone. You think it's it's not growing back, buddy? Uh, you know, like, <laughs> they were, yeah, they were like, oh, maybe it was just an open flesh wound. Still, so. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask y'all. Do you think they did actually? You might even know, being trivia uh, supremes. Um, do you <laughs> do you think that they went back to the original set uh, the set, or did they? refinish the set from Tunisia or, or is it just a different place in California now? Like what was that? 
They did go back to Tunisia, but I don't know if they were in the exact same place or if they did some rebuilding. I know that a lot of this stuff is still there because there are people that go there on like little tourist pilgrimages all the time to go see the the old set and the old, you know, uh, homestead. So I think they did go back. I know that they went back to Tunisia. I just don't know exactly where they were. Okay. Okay. It's just interesting because... If it's not the most perfect recreated set, then I don't know. Besides the Falcon, I don't know what is. Like, it's it looks, like, absolutely where everything should be. And um, I I just love... There's a... This, at this point, George is like, let's just throw so many visual storytellings here. And, like, I, I, I love that they they throw in, you know, the, the blue milk. And they throw in all these crazy little things and and... You know, the uh, especially when they're eating, I guess they're sitting on the table and Clegg's telling them, like, yeah, I know your mother's been gone for a month. Uh, and it's exactly, and I didn't think about it till watching it, it's exactly where Anakin was sitting. I, I'm sorry, where Luke was sitting in A New Hope. The same, He's sitting in the same exact spot. So, right. And I think it's cool that he's talking to, you know, Clegg about it. And it's, to me, it's just one of those, it's one of those scenes like, you can tell Anakin really doesn't give a shit about Clegg, like, at all. He's just like, where's my mom? Like, I'm trying. <laughs> like, uh, this, this yucko thinks he can just marry my mom. Exactly. Not, I'm not going to call him dad. So. But it's weird to think the ten years that, that uh, I guess, you know, was Anakin was raised by his mom, this man, ten years, for the ten years that Anakin was away pretty much was, or five years, however long the, 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 line, the plot line was for that, um... He was with Shmi too, so it's like I don't I don't know. I think it's very interesting because he, he, both these characters had a lot of time with just Shmi. Now I I know nothing can replace the the relationship someone would have with their mother, but I mean Clegg was was there for her ups and downs as well, you know. And he and he must have bought her and, and kind of brought her out of her own miserable life. And there's one part where Wado says, "Yeah, like he even fed her," and I'm like, Jesus, like. Well, <laughs> it, it's awful. It's like, it makes me sad to think Shmi. Shmi is one of the few characters in Star Wars that is just so like giving and caring, and I mean, her her fate is just so sad, so sad. Well, and in in uh, I was just listening through. I I I'd uh, read uh, Queen Shadow earlier in the year, but I was watching uh, Star Wars Explains uh, kind of break down of the Easter eggs. And one of the Easter eggs in there is when when uh, was it Sabe goes to Tatooine to try to find uh, Shmi to free her. Like she's going to free slaves, yeah. basically. She goes to the the old homestead where they used to stay, or the old house, the, like housing unit or whatever. And there's a it makes mention of how there's a white sun carved on the doorframe. Wow. Where does uh, that name White Sun uh, sound familiar? But like you know Baru. It's, yeah. it's her white son. And so they were kind of saying, you know, he kind of mentions like it really kind of implies that uh, Baru was and her family were possibly like trying to free slaves too. Wow. So, so you know, Baru got a hold of her and that's how she ended up meeting Klieg. So. Damn. Wow. I didn't know that. Boom. That's beautiful. Huh. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, does anyone have anything to say about Shmi? I think I think Shmi is just a an incredible character, and I and I hate that her fate was so so sad, and and it really kind of pretty much what drove Anakin to his ultimate darkness. 
I kind of just feel bad for Pernilla August. I thought she was fantastic in The Phantom Menace, yeah. and then this was just such a nothing thing for her to be in this movie. And I, I was literally just watching this part as soon as, right before we got started recording, and my sister was in the room and saw Shmi's death scene and literally just was like, ha. <laughs> like just kinda, and I was like, I know, right? That's everybody in Star Wars. Great. <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. solid Star Wars death, but yes. I think... Shmi, even though she was enslaved and, you know, had that chip in her head that makes you go boom if you try to escape, <laughs> I mean, her housing was really nice-seeming. Yeah, yeah when, it wasn't like You know, she was owned by Watto. She had, like, fresh food yeah. and shit. So I don't, you know, and we don't know what exactly her job was, but, you know, I... I'd say it wasn't as awful as I, as maybe you guys are picturing it. Um, sure, it's not great, but you know, based off of what the Lars homestead looks like and seeing what she had later in A New Hope, it's it's not really that different. She's yeah. just not in servitude of someone else, right? No, I think that, honestly, I, I kind of think that, that her death is one of the more tragic ones that we have on there, just because, like, I don't know, I was just watching it and just kind of, like, thinking uh, about how, you know, she is she probably just thinks, I mean, she she doesn't know what's happening. She's probably hallucinating, she thinks, you know, that, that Anakin is there. You yeah. Know? And, but then you also think about how she... <laughs> Never really gets to finish the I love you. <laughs> She's like, brutal. I love. I love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just like a what? solid Star Wars death, though. Yeah, you know, like oh, Qui Gon has one. It's like your neck just jerks back because your head magically weighs 50 pounds more. Yeah. Padme's death <laughs> is the same way. You know, it's fantastic. It's, oh, yeah. Exactly. It is a perfect Star Wars death. No, well, I'm with you, Alex. I'm with you. Well, the one thing I think is beautiful is. You know, when he says, I'm no, I'm going to go out and find her. And, and of course, when Anakin puts his mind on me, he's going to do it. And whenever he's driving and, and going across the sunset, to me, the, 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 the symbolism of the sunset right now in Star Wars, and maybe it's a different interpretation, it's you determining your fate. And I think with that angry look in his eye and he's on that speeder and he's going, uh, and he's going, um, or is it a swoop bike? I don't know what it would be considered, but, um, the swoop, it's the swoop. Yeah. And he's going, you know, across these beautiful uh, um, Tatooine land and, and the sun setting in the background. And Duel of Fates is playing, which is another interesting song choice. I don't know if they just stuck it there because it was good. But he's, you know, piling this thing. And then he uh, he talks to the Jawas and the Jawas don't want him to go. And I thought that was cool. They threw two sand crawls in there. It felt very Ralph McQuarrie. That shot in particular was so cool um, with the sun setting in the back. But when he gets to this place, and it's so sad, they they the sand the sand people look. Of course, they they seem to be more of an indigenous group, but I don't think, you know, I don't think they mean it. You know, to kill Padme as like a as a thing for, you know, their pleasure. I don't know. I don't know. If they were getting out of Padme. I'm not Padme. Dang it, Shmi. I don't know. If they were trying to get out of Shmi. <laughs> but it's with her hanging there. I just can't imagine what what she had gone through. And yeah, her death is. Of course, ultimately, what drives um, drives Anakin to the dark side. And there's one quote I want to pull up. I have it written right here. 
Now I am complete. Yes. Now I am complete. Okay. I want to hear your opinions on this because it kind of just like, I felt like a giant slap to the face. Like, Scott, come on, dude. Think about it. And I, 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 maybe I'm way too deep in thought when I wrote this, but it's weird to see this Skywalker, Anakin, have his mother die in his arms. Much like Vader had, you know, I mean, Luke had Vader die in his arms. Just like Ben pretty much had Solo, Han, die in his arms. You know, it's, well, it's too soon. But no, it's, <laughs> but it's weird, like, this 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 thing of like touch and the Skywalkers like having to like they have they've watched all their parents pass before them is like like it hurts like thinking about it like just think about what you know Luke went through and he didn't really have that much of a, a good relationship with his dad just like Ben didn't have much of a relationship with Han but Anakin and Shmi they had an amazing relationship and he had to let her go you know he he did what he was supposed to do. I want to know what y'all think of that. Do you think it's almost like a Skywalker's fate to have their parents die before them? Is it like a, is it like just like a reoccurring thing for some reason? I think it's everyone's fate to have their parents die before most people's fate, unfortunately to have their parents die before them. But it's a, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things with, uh, with Shmi that just seems so useless and pointless to me because I, you kind of touched on this. Where, what was the point of them kidnapping her? Yeah. Like, what did they want out of her? Were they going to eat her? Like, That's what do I couldn't figure it out. Sand people eat humans? Was it just, was it a ransom thing? Like, it just made no sense at all. There mm. was no logic to it. So, I don't know. It, that was really, the I think, the most painful thing for me when it came to her death was that it just seemed so senseless. Yeah. It, it, and it's very senseless. And especially dealing with, like, this, th- everything after this is probably the best storytelling in the Phantom Menace. But, but um, Alice, what do you think of all that? Having these Skywalkers witness their parents die and each one of them having very different reactions than the last two. I never really thought too much about it, to be honest. And just kind of like, well, shitty circumstances. That's life. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly the life of a Skywalker. None of them have it very easy, particularly no. Anakin. Yeah. They're very tailor-made to be owned by Disney, though, because Disney really doesn't, you know, that, that's the whole trope is that, like, all the parents of the Disney princesses and other characters die. <laughs> and every, yeah. So. Good point. It's, it's, uh, it's like, maybe it has something to do with just, like, this, the character, you know, not change of, I mean, Anakin's was for the worse. We know Vader's was for the better. And I think whatever Han, his sacrifice was, I think it was for the, and we can totally get into this later in the conversation, but maybe for the redemption of that character and maybe what Han did was a playing the seed of, of, you know, Ben's ultimate return to the light. Um, it's just weird because after her death, of course, the music cue there is amazing and he steps out and he, of course, kills a bunch of people. And I'm glad they didn't show it. I hope they, I, I'm really very glad they didn't show it because that would have just like, I think not showing it makes it much worse, way worse. And like the kids like stopping what they're doing, looking up. I'm like, oh, God, it's horrible. Like, that's pretty dark. Like, that's that's not very. uh, I mean, it is Star Wars, but it's but it's because Anakin had to have that happen. You know, 
feel like I need to go watch like Frozen again or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't watch that because the parents die on a boat. <laughs> the Hero Six. Crap! The kid blows up in the building. Um, no good kids movie. No. But but. Works. After <laughs> after this happens, one interesting thing is you hear Qui-Gon yelling Anakin, Anakin, no. And it's when Yoda's meditating. And right. I, I I forgot about that till I watched it last night. I'm like, my God. I'm like, it's cool to think Qui-Gon's like observing his his would have been Padawan from from the Force realm or from the cosmic force or whatever. And and is like telling him to stop. And of course Yoda Yoda wakes up and he's like Pain, suffering, death, I feel. Something terrible has happened. Young Skywalker is in pain, terrible pain. And to think Yoda's like in tune to Anakin, that was always very cool to me. Because it happens a lot. He always brings, he really, they talk about Anakin a lot as a, as a student and as a Jedi and as a person. Him and Mace do. So I think it's kind of cool. You got to keep tabs on him. They, they didn't really trust him at yeah. the time. <laughs> Maybe. Or at least, at least Mace didn't, yeah. But um, what do y'all think of that? Having Qui Gon kind of touch back and 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 maybe come back from this Force realm to to persuade Anakin not to do it, I get or or just scream in pain and sadness that is is you know he's disappointed in his in his would be apprentice. Yeah, I mean it. It doesn't really have any meaning until the Clone Wars. Yeah, that's the cool show. part. So that's where that ties in. Otherwise, it it to the general audience, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, you're right. It I mean, doesn't. She's like, hey, who was that? <laughs> like, did you guys hear that? Was that Liam Neeson? <laughs> like, did they have to pay Liam Neeson for that? Because I'm like, most people probably didn't even realize that was him. So. Exactly. Well, I, w- I almost wonder, because it almost even just sounds like it's dropped in from Phantom Menace. Yeah. Is- that does not, I'm sorry, that does not sound like him going, no, it sounds like they got Klieg Lars, the guy who played him. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it really doesn't sound like him. It is kind of strange. I, I've sort of wondered that, too, if they've got, if they got a different person to dub it. I don't know. Well, when I was, like, younger, I think I always used to think, of, oh, that was like a, uh, that was like a Tuscan Raider going, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom that was, like, Qui-Gon Jinn, but anyway. Yeah. Apparently. Um, one thing I wanted to, to bring back in after this whole slaughter happens and they, they, and Anakin heads back home with this mother on the back of the swoop bike. And, um, one thing I never thought about until watching it yesterday, I'm like, this is dark. The fact that Shmi is buried on the land that Anakin, uh, that, that Luke grows up on. I don't know if those headstones are there or if like. Once Anakin, you know, or Luke was, um, I keep saying the wrong name. Once Luke was old enough, they're like, let's kick these down. Or like, let's. The Skywalkers all run together yeah. after a while. Like, what, what do you think of that? Like, the fact that. that well, I don't know if I really think it was dark, but just to me, it's kind of a cool fact. Like, it you is. Know, it's kind of a cool uh, connection that, like, Luke's like, well, here, here you go, Luke. Here's, here's your grandma. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of like. I don't know. One of those things. Like my my family was very sentimental growing. I mean, they still are very sentimental. Um, but you know, like we're always like, I remember like going around and stuff, and like this is your great great uh, second fourth cousin, uh, twice removed, and uh, and it, not not to be disrespectful to them, but it was just kind of like you know all these distant relations and stuff. So you just think about like the connections that you have to and like all these different the death, places. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 
This is a very existential movie. It is. Towards the middle. Definitely is. And, like, there's one thing that, that also didn't dawn on me until recently, and I think this is a really cool conversation point here. It's, it's the scene where Padme and Anakin are, like, having that, you know, like, you can tell Anakin knows he did something wrong and Padme's trying to comfort him. But that same room that they're in is the same exact <laughs> room their children would meet, you know, inevitably through uh, Leia through hologram and, and Luke, you know, being uh, a resident of the homestead. It's kind of a very weird parallel that I, I never realized till watching it during this rewatch. It's like Padme and Anakin had had a conversation about, you know, you know, that situation in the room. And then what, uh, 15, not 15, um, 25 years later or whatever the timeline would be, 23 years later, their children are, are I guess, so, in, in a weird way, meeting in that room as well. It's weird. It's very weird. But um, Yeah, it is kind of trippy. I never thought about that either. That's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's where, they, where they kind of like cemented their love. Not really cement. Ooh, ooh, whoa, wait a minute. No, where they like... As, you know, like establish this, this, <laughs> this suffering that Anakin obviously did something wrong is the same place that Leia, you know, was looking for the help of Obi Wan Kenobi. It's, it's really kind of weird, and and I love that Lucas kind of did some shot for shot stuff with that, and like same set pieces and everything. No Skyhopper, but same set pieces. Um, I think it's really kind of cool. Yeah, well, the T fifteen hadn't come out yet. So T fifteen hasn't come out yet, but um. Yeah, yeah. He says, "I want to. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. I will even learn how to stop people from dying." And um, he puts his uh, anger towards Obi Wan for limiting him, and he explains how he slaughters each one of them. And the theme that plays here is very interesting. It's Palpatine's theme, and it's the Imperial March theme. I don't know why. Interesting. I don't know why huh. it's Palps, but it's the. It's I never really, really noticed the uh, the. But there is a little note of yeah. Palpatine's theme. It's the there. beginning. Or Augie's Municipal Band, as or, uh, we all know, you yeah. know, because of David W. Collins. Yeah. But, no, um, that was very, and, you know, we, I know I was sitting in both of those movies just waiting for the Imperial March to drop. Because it's just, you know, that's, I don't know, that's like the, that's the big hit, yeah. right? You know, like, like okay, when it, He's going to be Darth Vader. Let's, you know, let's get some of that. But that, I don't know, yeah, that was kind of a cool drop. I didn't really notice the uh, Palps uh, theme, though. So. Yeah, give it, give it a whenever. Hopefully, people listening right now will be like, dang, let me, I got to put this movie on, you know, because that, that's the goal of this. I want you to, I want, as our listeners, I want you to kind of go and like take everything we're saying here and, and kind of let it, let it affect your own viewing of this movie. Because it's it's interesting. There's some things to really be said about this in particular. Um, it just shows like Anakin is way conflicted by his desires and this title of being a Jedi. You know. Well, one of the cool things I think that they've really it's it's one of the cooler threads I think they've started to pull in new canon too is that Anakin is so obsessed with like cheating death and stuff. You know, like it's in, it's a big part of that Vader immortal. Uh, thing it's a big part of the the Vader comic the the that that last Vader comic that came out that one was I liked that one a little better than the one that was kind of parallel with the Star Wars series but no just everything about that is just kind of a I don't know that's interesting and I uh, again it feels like they're uh, setting up some stuff 
for uh, later down a, a movie that might be coming out soon. Who knows? <laughs> Don't want to get too crazy. Who freaking knows? I know they're making a movie. Wow, they're making a, a nine. <laughs> yeah, there's a new there's a new uh, uh, Star Wars coming out. I don't know if you know this. Here, I may have heard of Episode Nine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is that? Oh, it's that. It's already on nine. Okay. <laughs> Is Jen Erso in this one? <laughs> she sounds like my sounds like my like my dad asking me questions <laughs> about Star Wars. Yeah. Like, so is the the girl from the movie with the time travel guy? Is he in it? I'm like, oh my the god, what are we even talking about? <laughs> um, so you know, one of the cool things about you know, you you see there's like two times in this movie where Anakin and Padme uh, have these interactions of Anakin's like, oh, I feel like I need to do this or or like. I know the first time when he's like out on that balcony and she says like, you know, you know, I need to go check on my mom. And she goes, uh, you know, like, well, I'll go with you this time. He's like, I don't need to go. And she's like, no, okay, it's a parsec away. We're going. Uh, So they go and, uh, you know, Obi-Wan's been captured by this point. Uh, One interesting thing on that is that uh, Dooku straight up tells him like your plot. It's so like he tells him like. Hey, by the way, um, the Dark Lord of the Sith is in charge of uh, the Republic and everything, and uh, maybe you should join me. Like, I don't know, was he, like, really thinking about... I don't know, I think he was trying to mess with him. But it's just kind of interesting that the the bad guy <laughs> didn't mince any words. It was like, oh, yeah, here's exactly what's going on, and you're probably not going to believe me. So, <laughs> yeah, and really then it ballsy. took them three years to figure it out. Exactly. Yep. How- like it's just it again these movies really just highlight how uh uh inside their own heads the the jedi were like it really like luke says in in uh last jedi you know like they had their hubris again was what brought them down well hubris is just a fun word to say it is and and funny enough there's this one quote from yoda and this whole conversation between him between him and mace that like totally parallel the same exact thing that they're talking about as well he says, do, uh, do not uh, assume anything, Obi-Wan. Clear mind um, must be in order to for you to discover the real villains behind this plot. Blind we are. If creation of this clone army, we could not see. And then May says, I think it's time to inform the Senate that our ability to use the Force has diminished. And um, this is what Yoda says I think is great. Only the Dark Lord of the Sith knows of our weakness. If informed the Senate is, multiple... Uh, I'm sorry, multiply our adversaries, we will. But it's crazy to think Palpatine already knows, and obviously Dooku's pretty aware of this too. You know what I mean? Like it's this, it, why, why are you so worried about, you know, that you're going to tell the Senate when the Senate's obviously already, not the Senate itself, but I mean, yeah, I guess it is the Senate. I am the Senate. Um, is very much aware of their failure to sense anything. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, and Dooku... He might have been a lot more aware than we give him credit for of everything that's happening, both sides of the war. And that's definitely paralleled in uh, Revenge of the Sith, the look he gives Palpatine before he gets executed. That's, that's yeah. Wait, 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 what? Yeah, he's like, huh? <laughs> he's like, kill him. He's like, wait, what? Want him to do what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the classic bait and switch, old Palps, the Uncle Palps. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, no, dude, but, okay, so then... You know, Obi-Wan gets captured. He, you know, calls for help. Anakin and Padme go try to help him. Uh, and then uh, hilarious, uh, not hilarious, uh, a uh, crazy chase through this droid factory, which, like you were saying, is kind of the mirror of the clones. Yeah. Uh, in 
there's one cool thing I think about that, or at least it's funny. Uh, I think I watched some of the behind the scenes on the DVD and like, they were just told they were running on a conveyor belt, like him and Na- uh, Hayden and Natalie. <laughs> and uh, they were just told like nothing. They were dodging. They just said like, Hey, a jump, pretend to jump over stuff and pretend to duck under stuff. And we'll just like color it in. So it's just kind of just a quick obstacle course. Just yeah. like, head on in. Yeah, just like pretend like there's stuff to jump over. It's like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's like American gladiators. For real. Like, it would be so much <laughs> I agree. And, uh, yeah, everything leading up to that's very cool. And um, especially before they get out there and they're having the little romance before the uh, – Oh, wait, before we get to the oh, romance, yeah. I have to say that I am a, I'm completely 100% for uh, R2-D2's robot – or robot like. Uh, uh, rocket legs. Yeah. It served like its I, purpose. Uh, sorry. Yeah. It served the purpose and I, it doesn't bother me a hundred, like at all that like, like why didn't he use his jets in this point? I don't know. He didn't, it was the seventies, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but anyway, it, the love, <laughs> the, the love, the love part, whenever they, um, they, before they go out and, uh, Padme finally kind of admits that she loves him. And, uh, I, I kind of love that. And like, uh, Alice is saying the music for that part is just unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. Across this is, the... yeah, where we get love, love pledge in the arena, I think, in this, in this uh, scene where they're heading into the arena. Yeah. Yep. It's an amazing track. It's so good. And it's actually, to me, one of the most, and this sounds really, I guess, movie-ish, probably one of the most Hollywood-looking shots in all of Star Wars. Like, you know, it kind of like they bleed the light into the frame and then the camera kind of pans over their heads and you get the shot of the whole Coliseum. It's it's pretty grand. And I did not know this, but all of those were miniatures pretty much. That whole set was a miniature set that they then put digital over it. So fun fact. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of miniatures in the in the uh, the prequels that we didn't know about. So, yeah. Um, Backstreet Boys. Uh, yes. Were almost yes. So. During the sequel. I thought it was is it in sync? Is it in sync? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they got ended up on the cutting room floor, unfortunately. Oh, darn! It was because it was George Lucas's daughter's favorite band at the time, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. They they said bye 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 to in sync. Oh, oh. <laughs> horrible. Anyway, so I love this this whole like uh, like audit- auditorium. Uh, arena scene and everything like the whole that obi-wan his has like the best quips that whole thing he's like uh what are you doing here you know like he's like well we came to rescue you it's just that look up at his chains and looks back at anakin like great job yeah <laughs> that's one of the best gifts ever you see you she seems to be on top of things another great line too well she's oh, yeah. yeah um He's, his dad jokes are on point at that at right there. Well, and then we have very sassy Obi Wan in this movie. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Well, let's say sassy Obi Wan is, is your favorite, is it not, Alice? Everything Obi Wan is my favorite except oh, that's for true. the rat tail. Yep, uh, oh. rat tail baby. <laughs> Yes, indeed. How '90s was that? But um, no. Uh, whenever, whenever this scene happens, and I love that Newt Gunray so like oddly like fixated on Padme getting killed, killed the whole time. He's like, "Yes, yes." He's like, "No, she can't do that. Uh, shoot her or something." I'm like, "Man, calm the hell down." Like, 
it's, it's <laughs> I get that you've been trying to assassinate her and stuff, but I mean, it's it's gonna it's gonna end up working out in your favor. But you're gonna get killed first. Um, now, with that being said, of course, all this happens. The Jedi ambush him, and um, we see uh, Jango getting killed. And I I really do love the. Uh, the grandness of this whole entire scene. It's, it's really kind of awesome. And it's, it's kind of what reminds me of the prequels. Like, you know, just the, all these Jedi's are going this. It's just a really, it's the only time that George could ever actually pull this off. And I love it. I think it, I think he, this is what the movie was building towards like this one scene. And then it's like 30 more minutes of the scene. And, and I love the battle sequence and how they're shooting down all the trade fed ships, which leads you know, kind of quickly jumping over that whole sequence, but it leads into another cool point that was brought up earlier. I forget who brought it up. It was um, one of y'all in this in this this conversation. But the Death Star plans, this being thrown in, is such a cool tie into the original trilogy, and it's not very forced at all. Yeah, that was Alice that brought yeah. that up. I thought that felt really natural too. It was a really fun little tie-in that they uh, they were able to successfully and subtly bring in. I sometimes forget that it's even there. Yeah, and it's just such a cool like little uh, detail. That these like it's it's so Star Wars. It's, well, it's so George Lucas that like these like Roman bug people <laughs> <laughs> who like go to the Coliseum for their fun. Uh, are like they're droid builders and they like are really technologically advanced actually and stuff. They also have bubble guns, uh, so <laughs> it's, so many interesting little details with them. So well, and really weird. And and one thing I want to you know give credence to it's like uh, it's if they built the Death Star. I mean I, I love that in Catalyst they they give a ton of backstory to it. I don't know if y'all read that book before Rogue One came out. I actually didn't. I I actually really dug it. And what they did with with um, Poggle the Lesser, which is my favorite Star Wars name, um, and 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 kind of what what we get with this Death Star plans, and 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 it's cool to see, you know, Dooku hold it in his hands and that little thing, and just to think it's going to get passed down from all these people, and then Jin has him at one point. It's kind of, it's really kind of cool. I, I guess I didn't haven't haven't really thought that deeply about it, but um, the line uh, of course later that Sidious says. Um, in regards to it, as everything is going as planned, and I just mm, I can eat it up. But um, yeah, and, and no, um, it's it's cool because this is where to me this whole Anakin being solidified as Darth Vader comes in when he's fighting Dooku, and obviously Obi Wan for some reason is kind of a wimp, and he gets like knocked out every beginning of every fight with Dooku. I don't know what I don't know what about Dooku, but Obi Wan is just not good at dueling Dooku, and Anakin's pr- a little bit better. And um, for the uh, for Anakin to finally lose his arm and to see how that happened was some pretty good uh, some pretty good backstory that I don't know if it was super necessary, but it's it's kind of beautiful. It's kind of beautifully done. And, you know, uh, if anything, if anyone's to say anything about that, I, I just think that's that was cool how they threw that there in particular. I do have to. Sorry, I do have to agree with you on the point of uh, of. Obi-Wan not being quite up to snuff in this movie. I mean, it's like, sorry, dude, do you remember fighting Darth Maul? It was in the incredible. Last movie? Do, you, do you remember how good you were like 10 years ago? You're, like, what, what happened? You're fighting like an 80-year-old man right now, and you look like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be real. <laughs> well, let's be honest. Growing a mullet takes a lot out of you. It does. Okay? Apparently. It really is just a, a, a painful... Well, it's, it's, it's just a hard process, okay? 
that. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know from I don't know from experience because I've never had one. But I, oh, I hear. sure, Jerry. Yeah, yeah, no, no, um, uh, dude, that whole yeah, what that was kind of interesting, but it also set like this precedent that like everyone now thinks that like a Skywalker or the main hero of the saga has to lose a limb. No. And lost one in the second movie, and 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 Luke lost his in, in Empire Strikes Back, and so everyone was like, "That's I don't know, that's just funny." That's one of the criticisms here of Last Jedi too. Like, you didn't even lose anything. Well, like, there's one you, thing. Never mind. Thread that <laughs> went around. I don't know if y'all had seen it, but it was like, this is the first time a Skywalker has like done the opposite of lose a hand. He kind of exposes his hand in this movie. I don't know if that means anything, but. Whoa. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah, whenever he takes the glove off, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is kind of opposite of what happens. It's more of a coming to the light. Whereas for, well, especially for Anakin, this was his first sign of becoming more man than machine, more machine than man. And that's a cool line that, uh, that of course, Obi-Wan brings up at some point in the the original trilogy. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, of course we see the Yoda sequence happen and that's amazing and very unexpected as a kid. Absolutely in love with it, and apparently, uh, listening to Blast Points, they mentioned how uh, they showed that literally at Celebration Two, and I couldn't imagine how freaking cool that would have been to see that whole scene at Celebration Two before anyone else saw it. And they said they said they even like trolled him, like it was uh, uh, Rick McCallum was up there, and he's like, "Hey, have you guys seen the new Spider-Man movie yet?" and stuff. Cut it at the end of a Spider-Man trailer. <laughs> so, what, I wish they kind of would do that still. Because that would be we, amazing. I get down a peg sometimes, like at celebration, just like have Rick McCallum come back up. Be like, hey, you guys, you guys seen this new uh, uh, coming out? You know, like that would be. So, I don't know. Like, I don't know. That th- just sounds like the Wild West. It does. It sounds very like uh, not what the synergy. heck were those things even not synergy but at all? Like <laughs> back to Yoda. Back to Yoda, who was out of that whole sequence. I don't know. I just I, now I just want to like listen to Rick McCallum talk about this. But uh, no, he. Uh, I don't know what that Yoda sequence is for some reason so uh, controversial. I don't know what's everyone's like takes on Yoda, like f- his hop fighting or whatever. <laughs> It is pretty jarring, I imagine, for people who are used to the Yoda puppet. Yeah. Just kind of sitting there and riding along on a, as a backpack. Yeah. I imagine it was pretty jarring at the time uh, to see that. I, I don't personally have a huge problem with it, but I've got, again, I've got uh, bigger bones to take with this movie. Right, right. <laughs> but it's like, I, uh, you're really going to pick the, the Yoda bone? Okay, all right. It's like, oh, yeah. that's that's where we're going to land? Okay, yeah, no, I didn't have a problem with it. It was sort of interesting. I, I just would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when they were shooting this, yes. like with uh, with Christopher Lee. It's like, <laughs> what exactly did this look like where he was, there was a puppet bouncing around? I'm like, do you think they used well, a flashlight and he was supposed to act like a cat swatting at the flashlight? Well, like... So for this one, they didn't use a puppet, and most of Christopher Lee's actions was someone else, yeah. and they, like, photoshopped his face on the stunt double. Uh. But from my friends, uh, I saw Attack of the Clones in theaters. Like, they've re-released it several times. Yeah. Since then, I think they did, like, a... I think for all the movies, they did, like, a two-week 3D run yeah. of them. Yeah, I remember that. And... Um, I remember my friends who, when they first saw it, 
at the original release, that was all they could talk about. They were like, oh, my God, that Yoda scene yep. is so cool, blah, blah, blah. And, um, I mean, that was, like, the moment for them from the whole movie, and that was their takeaway. Yeah. And it's it's just cool to see Yoda like that to me because all we've seen is OT, like, kind of a senile <laughs> wackadoo, you know, and then he's just kind of like plopping around in Phantom Menace saying a few <laughs> lines. And then here we see that like he has crazy amounts of power and can use it when he wants to. And that, right. you know, also leads into when he's fighting Palps and Revenge of the So Seth. good. Oh, I yeah. can't even talk about that. But um, you bring yeah. up a good point. Like, he, he must have this ability to, like, concentrate his power. He's not a weak, feeble man. That might be his ploy. That might be his thing. He might portray himself that way. And then when it comes to combat, he'll he'll deliver, you know? He he will not hold back. So I love that. That's really cool. Yeah, no. My- oh, well, dude, the Yoda thing, like, I love that thing. And, and I will say for my... Being there in the theater then, like, again, I think I said it earlier in the episode, though, but, like, everyone was, like, cheering and was, like, on their feet whenever that happened. Like, it was so super, it was, like, the best thing ever. We had always, like, we'd never seen Yoda with a lightsaber. Anyway, so, yeah, I don't know. Well. Just get over it, guys. There's there's, there's other things. <laughs> um, I guess to kind of close out this this chunk of this entire discussion, it, you know, we've got the, the battle ends, but the war has just begun. And I love this quote so much from him. And he says, um, he, you know, this is just the beginning. You know, the, the Yoda theme is actually playing whenever, whenever it's like a really weird version of the Yoda theme when he's holding the, uh, that thing above his head. It's very weird. Very bombastic. Yes, it's not, it's not a very yeah. happy Yoda theme. It's kind of dark. And then when they get back to the, um, the council and, you know, you know, that was a victory. I think Obi-Wan says it. And he goes, victory, victory, you say, Master Obi-Wan, not a victory. The Shroud of Darkness has fallen, begun the Clone Wars has. And then it shows the shot of uh, Palpatine looking over and, and Jerry, here comes your Imperial March, man. And it is, it is oh, huge. Dude. I love it. And But what I love even more than that yep. is uh, Organa, Jimmy Smith's, like, small balcony punch. <laughs> like, just like... Like that man knows how to pu- like punch a balcony and make. Me- <laughs> <laughs> um, to me, the uh, the most the coolest ending is, of course, another kind of sunset ending, and uh, of course, you know, we've got Anakin, you know, marrying Padme, and it's cool to think the the people that were there were C three P and R two, and I'm sure that's one thing that we might even hear about in uh, the rise of Skywalker. I don't know. Dealing with dealing with C-3PO's memories and maybe even R2 having anything involved. But I wrote right here, and I, I want to know what y'all think before we close this whole sucker out. Um, the robot hand, do you think it symbolized his turn, you know, and, like, his, fu- his future being determined, like, through this hidden and secret love and, like, how the hand is kind of a symbol of, like, you know, what he is to become and this love is no better than that? Because it, it only it only makes his demise worse, you know. And he holds Padme. No. You don't think so? I just it's just a robot hand. Okay, <laughs> like okay. arm gets chopped off, and that's how you fix it. Yeah, there you go. I have a whole he thing just where it looks I, uh, super cool. You know, 
I do think the hand actually looks really cool. I agree it with does. that. Um, but I, I do have to, I, I'm not sure if it means, I'm sure it is supposed to symbolize this like sort of turn into being more of a machine. That makes total sense. But I have to say that they really do utilize it so well in the Clone Wars, just ever so slightly, oh, where every once do. in a while they do, they go full magnetized yes. and he'll like fly up and have his right arm stuck to the ceiling. Yeah. And him, it makes me laugh every single time. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. It makes me, it just makes me so happy. I wish that they would have thought to do something like that in Revenge of the Sith, but that's fine. I, as long as I get it in the Clone Wars, it works out better in cartoon form anyway. Yeah, totally. No, the episode two where like I think he's fighting Rush Clovis in like the lost season or whatever and like he punches his fist or something and goes like yes oh, yeah. anyway um well that was amazing great robot hand action yeah no I I've, I've I like it's gold too it's kind of cool it's kind of a beautiful part and then of course they look off into the sunset and they become married and that's how that movie closes out and uh I, I don't know there's uh there's one thing that I want to get into before we, we close this whole puppy down but um Jerry uh I don't know if you think that this might be a little a touchy topic to bring up, but I feel like it should be brought up. Um, we've seen in the sequel trilogy there might be some aspects of love occurring. Do you think they'll uh, ever really dive into the notions of romance? Not like this movie, but dive into the notions between Rey and Kylo at any point? I don't know if anyone ships that or if anyone has a strong opinion of that. I really don't know, to be honest with you. I- I've never really voiced my opinions on this publicly. I I am not a romantic, but like I don't know if I'm, I'm I go for romantic uh, Raylo, but in the sense that from what I've heard other people talk about it, that it's just kind of like some people just talk about Raylo and that it's their connection, companionship uh, maybe, companionship. Well, just their connection as characters. They yeah. they are like Ryan Johnson said, two halves of the same protagonist. Yeah, uh, they, the the uh, <clears throat> the light and the dark, like incarnate almost yeah um i don't i don't i don't know i i really now want to see a scene though where um kylo tries to go to ray and is like super awkward like all the other uh skywalker (laughs) men you know i really truly deeply uh, love you except for han (laughs) i wish i could wish my feelings away (laughs) how dare you wish that upon what will inevitably be a very good movie you, uh, you, how dare you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Laura. No, no you know, but how awesome, like Adam Driver delivering those same lines. I don't, I always like kind of go back with, with the love lines and think about like George Lucas, a, a middle-aged white male uh, who eats Hershey bars and drinks Diet Coke all the time w- was like, this is what I think sounds romantic. I just imagine <laughs> George saying those lines. You know, like I truly, deeply... I love you. <laughs> You're my very soul. Orman. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so anyway, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Alice has any strong feelings about Raylo. I might have a little bit stronger leaning on it than she does, but I'm pretty indifferent to it yeah. for the most part. I would probably, if I had to pick a side, I would probably go pro Raylo. Okay but in a more casual way. Yeah, like, that's kind of where like I lean. Like a platonic. Well, I'm uh, not necessarily... A platonic pla- respect. Yeah, I'm not necessarily, like, wishing for a platonic, but I'm just... If it doesn't happen, it's not going to ruin the movie for me. Right. So it's a little more casual feelings on my end. Totally. Right. I'm the same boat. Uh, it's, it's like something I've given thought to, but 
to ever like really talk about it publicly has been something I, I, I want to wait till after the movie to do. Like really like dive into that because there is definitely something there that, that is much stronger than almost any other relation, almost stronger than this one <laughs> between Anakin and Padme because it's like, you know, it's, it's not the word love has so many different meanings, but it's, they do have this weird like connection together that, that almost can only be explained with using, you know, uh, words that don't, that, that aren't love. It doesn't make any sense. Like you, you don't want to use the word love, but you, you want to use words that might be affiliated with it because it's, Kylo and Ray. It's just the, it just very connected. Yeah, they're, they're, um, yeah. There's there's Rooted. a connection there. There there definitely yeah. is. And uh, one thing I want to bring up before we close that's on a much lighter note. Do you think three PO and R two might have very similar scenes in this movie, like in in the Rise of Skywalker, like how they had the scenes of them like kind of bickering back and forth? If they happen to wipe his memory in the Rise of Skywalker, do you think any of this could be referenced? I just think it's a weird it's a weird thing, but I, I want to know. If, what y'all would think of that is will anything be referenced from three PO simply because his mind is maybe wiped based on what we saw in the trailer? Or yeah, his had his memory restored. Yeah, or restored. Um, exactly. Yeah, um I don't I think it would be kind of interesting if you like if they restored his memory and he's just like remembering like all the crappy things R2 has done to him and he's like, wait, wait hey now, wait a second, you know. Like, <laughs> You let me just fall. You drug my head around a stadium. Like, I don't know. Uh, it's probably not going to be right. But, you know, I don't know. I think we might get some – some. there's some good parallels for them in that are – they have pretty much very similar scenes throughout all the films. They do. They just kind of put them in different locations usually. Definitely. I think people have missed it. What about y'all? What do y'all what, – uh, what do you think, Alice? So I think that – what we saw in that trailer is a total fake out. Oh, and yeah. what I think that memory disc is, is something that perhaps Captain Antilles, who was requested by Bale to wipe through Pio's memory. Um, I think maybe it's a copy of that. And when he says goodbye to his friends, he wants one last look at his previous life. Oh, um, Oh, Whether nice. he gets something from it or not, I don't know. Uh, you know, there could have been something during the Clone Wars that Padme told him that Anakin had told her. I don't know. Uh, but I think from the inflection in Poe's voice, it doesn't sound like they're really concerned about him dying, if you yes. will. Um, so... Uh, I don't know. We'll cool. see. Cool. Excellent. I, I I had not thought about it from that perspective. I kind of gave me new light. Excellent. I love that. Um, uh, Laura, what do you think? I don't really have anything to add. I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I, the whole thing that in the the trailers with three PO has just sort of left me mystified. Me too. I just I can't even begin to kind of guess what's going on there. And I imagine that anything we guess. Or anything that I guess is going to be wrong anyway. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm curious to see where it goes. But yeah, I, tr- I don't have a clue. It, it's, a bizarre, uh, it's a bizarre thing, but I am happy that 3PO is getting a little bit of action, it looks like, yes. in this next movie. We really haven't gotten a lot of 3PO in the sequel trilogy. So I'm just kind of happy for Anthony Daniels that he's getting to like do stuff. Like, good for him, you know? Very right. Finally getting his, he's getting his shot. He's doing something better than, like, a serial commercial, which he would also do as C-3PO, just because that guy will not let anyone else be C-3PO. Nope. So that's 
Like, that's so awesome for like I am. Yeah, good for him because he deserves it. The final hurrah. He definitely does. But um, I want to say one thing. We can't thank y'all enough for being here. Um, th- this has been an absolute pleasure having y'all. Seriously. Thanks for having us. This is Alice's favorite movie, so she was very excited to come and chat about it. I was, uh, it's not my favorite movie, so I was excited to come hang out with you guys, but not necessarily for the movie. (laughs) Yeah. It's my favorite movie, and I have learned and heard some new things, so that's been fun. Well, that, well, I'm so happy that, that maybe doing something like this would, would get, you know, not just for our, our guests, but for our listeners to get something out of it is just that that's fantastic. And, and uh, we, we love y'all's work and, and hopefully maybe after the rise of Skywalker and things are way less tense and the only thing coming out to clone wars, we can have another one of these and maybe be on y'all show or something, because this is, this has been really wonderful. Seriously. Yeah, this has been fun. I think January is going to be quiet. Yes. I'm hoping. Thank God. You know, we, we'll, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that personally yes. too. So yeah, th- thank you for yeah. having us. Of course, of course. Totally. Uh, Jerry, you want to praise the guests anymore because I've I've been schmitten with them the whole time, and I'm and I just love it. That was that was really awesome. <laughs> oh, uh, thanks. Uh, you, I think you pretty much said all. Yeah, yeah, you guys are okay. Uh, no, no. We'll, we'll you know, take it. Yes. All right. Take it to the bank. No. So we're, we'll just go ahead and tell the the bomb bad people out there where they can find you guys. Sure. There's a long list of all the places you can find our show <laughs> at forcetoastpod.com. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many, many more. Uh, we have a really fun interactive audience on Twitter, so join us at Pod. I'm Laura, and I'm on Twitter at shutup underscore Laura, and Alice is my co-host. She is at Slaya all day. Yes, indeed. Dang, that's like way better than our plug. Jerry and I always like, we, 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 you guys, we got a Twitter. Here. It's like a trope of our show that we never plug in. So. <laughs> we forget how to plug. Oh, yeah, yeah, afterthought, oh, afterthought. So. man. We've had almost a year of practice. Exactly. So, uh, and it's always Laura because she's better at talking than I am by the end of a show. Right. Because I drink too much and uh, she's got it nailed down. Well. Excellent, but um, it does just kind of flow. It, hopefully, <laughs> at the year mark, we will we will be at the same, uh, I guess, skill as you because that was that was like unbelievably impressive. Um, yeah, I thought you. that was a recording. You actually exactly, but you just pulled your phone yeah, out. I was, was like, let me good. get this cute like show. <laughs> um, oh, I'm a robot at this point, so it may have been. Cool. <laughs> um, it just all kind of comes out, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, th- th- everyone listening right now, thank you so much for joining. Um, I'm Scotty Jero. Of course, you can find me at the Scott Jero on the wonderful Twitterverse where I'm constantly retweeting things, especially the Mandalorian trailer, mm, the B2 battle droids. Speaking of Attack of the Clones, they showed up. But um, anyway, uh, <laughs> you can find me there. Um, follow the Bombad cast. Make sure if you want some swag, we've got T-shirts out now, and we are so excited. We've got a bunch of orders in place, so we're excited to see you start repping our gear that we don't know who ordered. I know I ordered a couple. I know Jerry ordered a couple. Jerry's family did, but we got some other mystery orders. We're like, wait a minute, who's who's buying these things up? But- <laughs> People actually want to buy stuff? No, no. I, I will, like, kudos to... I don't know. I, I will give mad respect. I almost want to just, like, whoever goes and orders the most random piece of merchandise on there that can, you can slap our face on. Like, there's pillows. There's mugs. There's, like, <laughs> Tapestries. 
<laughs> yeah, there, yeah, there are tapestries. I forgot, but there's wall art. Yes. <laughs> so if you want to go slap me, uh, Scotty, and Jar Jar's face on something, uh, go do it. And do the weirder the better. Just send pictures. Uh, but yeah, yeah, go check out our T Public uh, store and um, yeah, follow us at Bombadcast. Uh, and as always, we are still hanging out with. Uh, all the uh, the folks of the uh, old folks home on Facebook, uh, <laughs> our Facebook group, the, the Bombad, or was it Bombad Fam, a Bombad Cast uh, official group. So go over there. Uh, we'll, we we kind of do some special things on there with our, our uh, followers, and then uh, uh, follow me. Oh yeah, yeah. I I also had to plug myself. Uh, follow me at Hannon Junkie at the Cannon Junkie on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, just uh, get ready for some uh, some uh, junk on there well, for sure. Before we close this out, we got to plug our next episode. Our next episode is going to be our coverage of Revenge of the Sith. We have a very good friend of mine who Jerry uh, and I, I will – Obviously, someone I've known for a while, but uh, Jerry got to meet when we were at Celebration, my good friend and a man I've written a movie with and and, and starred in a couple of his movies. Uh, Eric Cotterman will be on the show, and not many of you have heard his voice, but this dude is a next-level Star Wars fan, and he is genuinely obsessed with um, Revenge of the Sith. So, um, hope everyone can join us for that next bomb bad uh, build-up episode. But one last time, thank y'all so much, Force Toast, for being here. This was awesome, and uh, we look forward to seeing what y'all have in the future and, of course, the wonderful content that will be coming your way. Um, Jerry, what should the wonderful bomb bad people do? They should uh, go out again, slap our face on something random, and <laughs> stay bombad. Oh, bomb that.